Yo. What's up, Daddy? What's up, my guy? How's it going? Not much, man. I feel another day, man. I'm living. <laughs> you hear me all right? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I can hear you all right. Um, oh, shit. Here's what I'm worried about. The 7,000 mile away slow Wi-Fi lag. Like, I might, like, talk over you or something. Uh, right now, it seems pretty good. Where The back and forth is working all right. All right, cool. Cool. And I, if I really cared to, I could tighten it up later, but I probably won't do that. That sounds like too much work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel you. Yeah, just let me know, because, like, I honestly, I don't talk on the phone much over here because the internet is so slow. I usually, like, send texts or whatever. So if it starts going downhill during the message, let me know, because uh, Rainy's in the other room using the internet and she's like, yo, when you're doing your podcast, like if I'm slowing the internet down, just let me know. And I get off. I was like, all right. So. All right. Cool. 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 Well, it's going all right right now. So, uh, I'm going to hit the intro music and we'll get into it. All right, let's do it. All right, cool. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? I don't know, like touch your flower, was it moving? Like, no, nah, feel pretty locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh boy! The wop wop wop, you fucking blew it! <laughs> That's idling. <laughs> hey Alexa, what time is it? The time is 2.56 a.m. It's just so you guys know it's fucking real out here, dude. Uh, welcome to episode 50 of the Moped Monday podcast. And I'm here solo dolo in the house. But I got uh, my man, Steve Brown, uh, formerly of the Human Beings, currently of Black Black, uh, Best Boys, uh, Black Black Adventure Team. He's, he's definitely leading the adventure team right now, dude. Uh, tell him where you're at, dude. I am in Talas, Kyrgyzstan, about 50 miles from the Kazakhstan border. Crazy, right? It's a, it's a little while. Well, it's not quite what Borat would lead you to believe this region is like, <laughs> but it, it's a little while. Dude, that's so crazy. Like, I don't know, man. It's so insane. You've been there, what, two years now? Yeah, two years and two months. We came over here in August 2017 with the Peace Corps, and we've been teaching English, and we're actually coming home in about three weeks. So I am very pumped for that because I haven't seen anybody in a long time. Yeah, man. I know. Nah, scratch that. If Jordan from the Swoops is listening, I don't want to offend him. I saw Jordan from the Swoops in Amsterdam like a year ago when we were there. So he's the only moped person I've seen in the past two years. That's crazy. I thought O'Neal came out there. <sighs> now O'Neal is going to be offended as hell. God damn, what's wrong with me? 
I'm talking. Okay, let me pre- let me uh, cur- that cur- current I'm... current moped person. <laughs> got it. Got it. Current moped person. Well, okay, no, he's gonna be pissed about that too. Let me just correct <laughs> this because O'Neil will listen to this. O'Neil, I consider you one of my closest friends, so I just don't think of you as a moped friend. You just yeah, my, one of my homies. You know, so true, true brother. Yeah, that's that's my guy. He came over here, and that was that was really fun. But hey, I'm rambling already, man. You got to tell me to shut the fuck up. I'm no, gonna, I talk a lot. Um, so I don't know if you listened to the show yet, but ninety uh, percent of it's rambling. There's no structure. Like we kind of always end up on a tangent that makes no sense. Like uh, last week, we um, there's a new club out in New Mexico called. Um, called uh the goat heads which i really like the name goat heads it's just like it's different you wouldn't really think of it for a moped club and we like re- yeah. we went like on a weird tangent about like what kind of like you know predator animals are out there in the desert and we got in the mountain lions and we like renamed their club as the mountain lion defense team so uh if we if we go somewhere weird it's fine you know <laughs> It always works. Oh, that's out. very likely to happen. So, so, where in New Mexico are they out of? Oh man, I can't even remember the city off the top of my head. Like one of the main ones, it, I, even I, still. I guess you know. I'm like, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not the yeah. New Mexico dude. I'm like, sorry, uh, that's far away. Yeah, Get out yeah. <laughs> we're East Coast guys. You know what I'm saying? So we don't know, but yeah, that's cool, man. That's that's cool. Yeah. Um. All right, well that's cool. I'm glad that I that I have permission to ramble because it might happen. I've been day drinking a little bit too. Ooh, uh, like little packing, you know, little day drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm quite. That's my second excuse for why I forgot one of my best friends in uh, about a minute ago. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's what it's three a.m. in Richmond right now, and yeah. we are ten hours ahead. So. It's 1 p.m. in Kyrgyzstan right now. So I'm doing a little Saturday afternoon day drinking. Yeah, just a little Saturday. Got the sun up. Beautiful day outside. Yeah, it's nice out, man. Um, yeah, so I got all kinds of stuff queued up here. Like once, So let me, let me preface this by saying I've been eyeing up the podcast for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's been going on. One thing, I'm way behind on the podcast because... SoundCloud is blocked in Kyrgyzstan. And I've been, and now I'm starting. So for the longest time I was like, Oh, I can't listen to it. But then recently I was like, wait, I can get it from some other spot too. So that's my excuse. I'm kind of everywhere right now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're everywhere. But I remember checking like earlier in our stay in Kyrgyzstan and being like, Oh, SoundCloud shit. I can't listen to it. And then I was like, Oh wait now. So I realized recently that I have more options for listening to yeah, I'm kind of pumped. Sick. For for those who don't know, um, we're on fucking SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Store, Spotify. Um, we're we're working on the YouTube shit. Like we're gonna do that. I'm just lazy. Um, and then like a bunch of like I I was looking the other day. It's on a bunch of other like weird like third party apps too. Like FM Radio. I don't know, you just Google it now. Like literally, you put in Moped Podcast, and like we're like. The pretty much only shit that pops up, so tons of options. Right, you're like you you you've totally blown up now. You Google it, it's like 
pod episode share.net you know what i'm saying yeah. just every random website you know so like, like all, the, yeah. all the all the things for sure all the things all the things have it but you know i've been eyeing up the podcast now here's my thing with it um you asked me the other day about coming on and i was very pumped but you know i felt some kind of way about hitting you up to come on because like i didn't want to feel like a narcissist you know what i'm saying <laughs> You know, I was like, I was like, all right. <laughs> You're like, all right, that's my time to shine. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, all right, it's my call. He called me up. Like, I was like waiting on the bench, and you called me in because I was like, all right, I got the stories. But if I hit him up, like, I kind of come off like arrogant. Like, yeah, check me out. I got some stories. Like, I didn't want to do that, you know. Well, we, we we put it out there. Like, I I always want like anyone out there who wants to be on the show. If you got like a moped brand or a clothing company or you're building cool bikes and selling them, or you're just, you're, you know, you got a new club or old club or you're fucking some shitty club in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm down to talk to anyone. I really just trying to like grow the community and like, it's, you know, shine a light on things that people don't know and people that people don't know. Cause you, even when you go to rallies, you only meet like a select amount of people who have time to go rallying all over the fucking country. And and even then, you you know, you don't really get to spend a lot of time and hear like what they're all about. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this. Like, I don't know, just dive a little deeper into people and teams and situations. And hopefully you get some stories. And I always knew you had the stories because I was just like, dude, I remember. Oh, I don't even want to like hint at stuff right now because I don't want to blow it. But like, I always knew Steve had the stories. And I was like, damn, like, well, episode 50 is coming. Thomas and Ashley aren't here right now and we're doing this on a Saturday night slot or Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, because Tom and Ashley are going to be at a wedding all weekend. And I was trying to schedule like Steve, uh, not Steve. I was trying to schedule like Chad Burke to do like some stuff with second with uh, his fucking quarter kick and shit. And cause he's fucking been around forever. Old, old as dirt. And I was just like, damn, that wasn't working out. And I was like, well, I know Steve's got the stories and it'd be cool to get like into an episode like that because like we've been so much been doing so much random rambling and like bullshit and like we had crazy wayne and that was cool he like talked fucking forever like he's talkative dude i loved it it was cool but i was like damn like when i first started i was like dude this would be cool to just like do like story time with black black and like just call my dudes my club and have them tell old ass stories and like I don't know. I was like, Steve's got cool stories. I don't know. I figured it'd be fun. <laughs> I was with you on most of that until you told me that I was the backup because Chad Burke had a <laughs> scheduling problem. Problem. I mean, okay. You lost me there. I was like, all right. Well, no, I'm just playing. But yeah, yeah I got some yeah, stories, I know. you know? <laughs> no, dude. Like, this, I, it's always a scheduling problem. I'm literally like trying to get. Like it, it, it was better like a month ago when I was, or two months ago, I was like booking people like four weeks out because we only do one a week. So it was like easy enough, you know? And I just like, cool. Like I'm going to book one person a week for fucking, you know, a month and be ahead. And like, when it comes down to the wire, I'm like, yo, who do I know? What clubs have I not talked to? There's so many that that makes it harder. That's the thing. It's not like. That I don't want to talk to. That wasn't like, you know, you weren't like some backup. You were like definitely in my top list of dudes. But <laughs> the thing is. I'll just fuck with I, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm just putting it out there. But it's like, 
there's so many people that we I want to get on the show and I want to talk to. It's just like, when's their time to do it all? Like, I know the people who do like crazy serious podcasts and they're like, they'll just bang it out. They'll like schedule like two people a day, three people a day and do like these three hour long, like marathon podcasts and like just have a stack of like, you know, files. And I'm like, uh, we got work jobs out here. Do we got shit to do? Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, you contact the Chad Burke's agent. They're like, man, he's in the south of France. He's looking at some new AV10 kits right now. He's not available. And you're like, well, Steve, you know, he's over in the middle of nowhere. He ain't got no agent. He got nothing to do. So we'll call him. We'll get him with the quickness. That's fine. I'm here. I'm on the podcast. So Yeah, you're here now. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Where's he at? <laughs> Yeah, he he ain't around, and that's fine. He missed out on being a part of something special. This is episode fifty. It's a momentous episode. I'm, I'm saying, and look, I don't look. Like I said, I got to catch up. I got to binge listen through old episodes. I don't want to say that I listened to all the episodes because I haven't, but I still recognize this is a big episode. Dude, I'm pumped. Like I didn't think we'd still be doing it. Like the goal was a hundred, so we're halfway there to like the initial goal from the episode one. We're like. Let's maybe we'll get to a hundred. Let's see. And I just threw out like a big number just because it was whatever, but we've done it every week since we started. We haven't missed a week, which is crazy. Like, like I I'm dedicated to doing shit. And, and this wasn't something because we just did it from a whim. It's just like, yo, we're doing a podcast. I got, I got gear. We're starting next week. Like be at my house tomorrow. Like kind of shit. Like it just started. Like with no planning. I mean, and, and that—that's no surprise to me or anybody that knows you within Mopeth, because I mean, as far as East Coast Black Black go, like we got a lot of really talented people. We got a lot of really fun people. But when it comes down to like somebody needs to get shit in order and organize and get stuff together, you're the one that's doing it, and it's always been like that. So. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised that you're dedicated and staying on it. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is pretty awesome that you've been doing it once a week. I appreciate it, bro. Like I don't know. Um, oh, dude, we do raffles every ten ten episodes. That was like a big thing too. So shout out to like everyone in the community that like chips in stuff for us to raffle off, and you know, Treeland, Dose, everyone who's like ever like gave us like discounts or like you know some shit to help us you know, make it fun and kind of get people to play along. Um, we definitely got a surprise at the end of the episode. I'm going to leave it to the end for like what, uh, what's going down for episode 50 as far as a uh, raffle or prize or whatever the fuck we're doing. But yeah, let's, let's get, let's get to, let's get to some more, some more shit besides, uh, besides us, man, or me and Thomas and Ashley and shit. Um, you want to tell everyone like, when you got in the mopeds, because you've been in the mopeds for a really long time. Yeah, I've been in a minute, and and, and look, like at this point, I've 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 gotten to a period where I'm past my moped prime, and I'm trying <laughs> to find the balance of reflecting, but not getting too stuck in my past glories and being the old guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I really. I want to come back to America strong. I've been gone for over two years. Um, my wife, Rainy, is like, you know, we, we put up together a new port for her before we left, and she got really into mopeds. And so she is going to be part of the force that, like, 
keeps me going and, and active, you know, into the future. Cause yeah, I started riding mopeds in 2004. So it's been 15 years mm-hmm. and yeah, I was riding mopeds in high school, man. Um, I was a nerd, so it worked out pretty well. Nobody was surprised that I was riding the maxi to the school. Like it was, you know, fit. And where, where um, were you at? I, at that time I was living in, Cleona, Pennsylvania, uh, like 40 minutes from Lancaster. And so, yeah, my first moped, I had a maxi and I remember I had the, okay, help me with this. Is it Leo? It's Leo Vinci, right? Yeah. 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 I always assumed it was Leo Vinci. So I had a Leo Vinci pipe on my first maxi. I remember getting it from moped warehouse and Mm -hmm. I had to take the center stand off and I was an idiot. Like I didn't realize like, Oh, you just get a side stand when you do that. No, I was carrying like a BMX, like rear wheel stand in my backpack. (laughs) So I would like ride to high school and I had like a reserved parking spot for my Chevy Cavalier, but I was like, no, I'm gonna ride the maxi. And I would put it on this BMX stand because I had no kickstand. And I would like come out after class and my bike would be gone. And there'd be like a lifted truck in my spot. I would be like, what the fuck? And it would be like the rednecks at my school, like moved my bike into a bush or something. I'm like, bro, you can't take up a whole spot with that little moped. <laughs> I'm like, that's my fucking spot. I paid for that shit. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, um, that's a that's a crazy yeah. school too, brother. Ricky got to pay for spots out here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I paid a hundred. Like, I think I paid. Nah, maybe it wasn't a hundred. Maybe like fifty fifty bucks a year for that spot. And uh, yeah, I would come out and find my maxi in a bush regularly. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, it was what it was, but, um, yeah. So I, I rode for a while. My first introduction to group rides, and this is something that I want to talk to you about. You are the perfect person to talk about with this. Ooh, uh, I'm going to touch on this in a minute, but, yeah, yeah. um, so the first rides I was going to were the Moped Larry rides in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I love those rides because it was a perfect like it was a perfect mix of weirdos and troggles. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not all a bunch of like moped folks trying to be cool or whatever. It's like old guys who were hippies in the seventies and shit wearing mm-hmm. overalls and smoking pipes and shit. And like yeah. all sorts of characters. Dudes and wearing top hats it's like and a shit. really regimented. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this one dude was riding around. He had a fucking corn cob pipe too, with a little like flapper. That it was like lift up when he exhaled. And I'm like, yo, how is he riding and smoking that pipe right now? I was like, oh, he's got the little slapper thing on top. Like, it was crazy. Um, I used to love those rides. So I started going to that in like 04, 05. And that was kind of my introduction to group rides. And it was so funny because Moped Lair, like, he's he's in Richmond now, right? Um, He was talking about moving to Richmond. He came down here for the last Seven Hills Scooter Rally. And, you know, he hung out and he talked to everyone. He was like, because he went to VCU. He went to school here, like, forever ago. He's an old-ass man, like, 70s or something, 80s. He was, in, you know, in college here. And he was like, yeah, like, talk. he talked about moving back, but I don't think he has yet. I know he's still, he said he downsized his garage, but he still has a giant, like, garage full of mopeds. Word. Yeah. Yeah, that used to be part of his legacy and still is, but, like, he amassed this crazy huge collection, like just staying on New Jersey Craigslist and like 
snatching everything up, but like, yeah, he's whittled it down pretty small dude, now. Moped Larry was the fucking plug, dude. Like early two thousands, most of the people in Richmond, like that when the Hell Satans were, because Hell Satans were like two, it was formed like two thousand three or something. Two thousand, yeah, Hell Satans since two oh three was their first like documentary video shit they did, and they were driving the Jersey with a trailer and bringing back like ten bikes at a time. And paying nothing for them, dude. Like fifty bucks a piece, seventy-five bucks, a hundred, like just like crazy prices, like prices that people wouldn't believe. Like today, like like a couple weeks ago, I got I got two mopeds for seventy-five bucks a piece, and it was just because it was just some old man, and that's like I was like, damn, this is like some early two thousand shit right here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I got a couple. I made a couple notes here. I got some uh, Craigslist story stuff I want to go into too. Hopefully, we make it there. I feel like I'm, Dude, I'm taking too long to get no, to my point, like man. The, but we can talk forever, bro. Like, here's the thing: like, this episode 50. I don't care what happens. I'm like, I don't have to work in the morning. I got fucking free time on my hands. Like, I don't have anybody else here to interrupt us. So there's not going to be any extra tangents. Like, it's hard, dude. It's, you know, when we have three or four people like in my house, like in the studio. And we're all like asking questions. We're all riffing and talking. And then like everyone is going on tangents. You don't know where it's going to go. And when you're trying to get to a point, like it might not get there. So, you know, like I'll start a point and then we'll classic. go another way. I'll lose it, dude. Right. It's a classic too many chefs in the kitchen scenario. Yeah. But I, I think this like a uh, one-on-one is going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And like, I'm really I really want to talk to you because I wanted because I want to hear all your stories, you know. Like I know I'm still not going to get them all. I know you're still going to have a ton when you come to Richmond. We're going to get some more, dude. Fuck it. Yeah. So I'm trying to give you what I can. So back <laughs> to what? Oh five moped Larry. Oh six moped Larry. Mm-hmm. I mean those rides that that got me hooked on like let's ride in a pack. Although it was so much different than going to a moped army rally because. Larry is keeping the pace at like 30 miles per hour. And there's like, he's got an orange flag sticking off the back of the bike and shit. <laughs> and he's like, and he's got like a crew of dudes that are like backing him up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all right guys, oh, dude, tell us about like, cause I've never been to a ride from a pet Larry ride, but I've heard all the story. I've heard a bunch of stories from different people. So talk about like, um, like his like pre-ride, like speeches and like, I don't know, like, I heard he was always like, all right, it's not going to be any passing. And, like, it was just, like, so, like, proper. Well, okay, so that's a good place to start. So, yeah, he had disclaimers that needed to be signed before um, the rides. Uh, I'm I'm picturing myself in front of his garage in New Jersey, Lebanon Township, New Jersey, signing that waiver. And I'm remembering, like, the first one I ever went to is when I met Angel from The Creatures. Like, she was there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, she's really cool. And like that, oh, that was a long time ago. So yeah, he would make you sign the waivers and he was big on giving you all the instructions. Like, don't, you know, don't do this. Uh, stay in two lines. Don't pass anyone. And he had a couple dudes who came out every year who kind of like backed him up on the rules throughout the ride. Cause like he would be up front leading, but then he would have some other guys who were in the pack kind of like, keeping an eye on things <laughs> and Josh and I always joke about this one time 
this gentleman who will remain nameless, who we love, who lives in Pennsylvania, was like getting mad because we were going a little too fast. And what's funny about this ride is there were so there's so many like old guys that come out. And have you ever seen like an old guy when they get away from their family and they feel like they can like curse and be bad a little bit? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like I'm a 52 year old man and I'm not with my wife and kids this weekend. So I can like cuss and shit and like be different than I normally am. So like this dude was like, never pass the fucking leader. Like, what are you doing? And me and Josh are just laughing. Like it was, it was a really fun ride. Always beautiful scenery. too. Yeah. I, I, I love stuff like that. I love rides like that. Like, when they're when it's like a slow pace and like everyone's getting an, like especially now like because everyone's like everyone wants to rip dicks dude everyone's like building these like ripping bikes like it's not like early 2000s i feel like more people were showing up like stockers with pipes like it wasn't there wasn't all the parts and wasn't as much access to all that stuff as there is now and and now it's just like i feel like if the leader's going too slow or like half the rides you don't even know who's leading sometimes you're like oh yeah it's just a bunch of us up, up in the front going 50 like oh wait who, who's supposed to be up in front right now who's where, where's the next turn i don't know let me slow down right yeah I'm trying to yeah it really it really has changed a lot and I mean, what can I say? I like to be up there in the mix blasting too, but uh, every now and then it's like cool to do a ride where you're like, oh, this is like, this is a throwback. You know, we're just cruising, like whatever. <laughs> That's kind of what I felt like uh, uh, Angel's ride was like to uh, the Gettysburg was always like, really mellow. Well, yeah, and that's one of those things because when you're talking about Gettysburg, you know that like certain people might come to the ride who if you don't set it up in that way, they might be turned off to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you know you have some old school riders coming who are very big on following the rules of the road and shit, you might have to like consider your audience when you plan your your route and your ride and whatnot. Um, it's fun to be like, fuck it, this is Mopez, we're gonna blast. But when you got like a 60 year old man on a fucking stock maxi, you're like, eh, you know what, let's, Chill out a little bit. Looks like to everybody have a chance, you know. It's like, oh, he perfectly restored it. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, it, it's yo, it's it, it's funny. I'm thinking now, like, I'm thinking some of the rides that we did. You know what? I'm going off topic. Let me not do this. So, okay. Moped Larry ride. I wanted to mention. I had I had a selling experience there one time that was kind of funny. I had one of those Avanti Super Sport, the top tank. Mm -hmm. And so I had the VIP with the Polini. And I had, what card did I have on it? I don't know. But it was tuned very poorly. I was new to mopeds. I was just like, all right, this thing, it was geared all kind of crazy. It had great top speed, but it just had no bottom end whatsoever. And I was talking to this kid from New Jersey and he wanted to buy it. And he's like, I'll come to the moped Lara ride and buy it. I was like, cool. You can test ride it. He shows up, uh, after the ride is over. And he's like, are you the guy like with the Avanti moped? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, cool. I'm here with my dad. His dad was like this roided out, like Jersey shore looking dude in a tank top <laughs> looking like all kind of crazy. 
And I'm like, all right, this like this could go one of a couple ways. Like, let's see what happens. Uh, right next to Moped Lair's house is like this really steep hill. And I try to tell the kid, like, yeah, this thing needs some tuning. Like, it's got no bottom end. Like, you know, it's not going to go up that hill very good. But, like, once you get it downhill, it's going to rip. And so he, like, goes to test ride it. He's, like, 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. He is crawling up this hill. He's going, like, 12 miles an hour. And it was not <laughs> a very steep hill. This bike was, the clutch was fucked. The gearing was off. Everything was off. And I was like, no way he buys this bike. Then he comes ripping back down the hill and he comes back. He's like, I'll take it. Like, I want it. I was like, all right, cool, man. Like, let, let's do it. And like, sold it to him. I think I saw him parting it out on Moped Army like a year later, you know. Damn. But that's one of those things about the Moped Lara ride, too, is that it captured this like, moped army trope that you're not going to see anywhere else which is the 15 year old new jersey kid that has a tomos until they get their license <laughs> like you're, you're not you're not going to see that many other places but if you go to the moped lair ride i remember the first one i went to like 15 year old kids uh wearing i'm not making fun of the band but at the time wearing august burns red shirts right yeah metal cord with seen seen hair with seen haircuts, like you know what I'm. Listen, it was a perfect time for that, about. dude. It's two early two thousand three. Yeah. Metalcore is fucking fire, exactly. son. August, exactly. August Burns and Red still kills it, dude. That drummer, the drummer from August Burns Red, like plays in this fucking church band. If you look at YouTube, okay, <laughs> everyone look this shit up. Look at look at YouTube and look at the August Burns Red drummer playing at a church and he's got this fucking gopro video camera set up behind him his fucking footwork this this is one of the best drummers in the fucking country dude he's fucking sick i i was a listener in high school and and i i mean i have i i love him i'm just trying to paint the picture for you at that time and you know exactly what i mean yeah how old were you how old were you in 04 2004 I was 20 years old, just out of college, playing in a metalcore band, just dropped out of, no, I think I just dropped out of college, and all I wanted to do was play in bands and go to shows, and I had fucking steam, fucking perm, iron straight fucking hair, and (laughs) wore fucking band shirts every day. And I rode a fixed gear bicycle. I thought it was fucking cool as fuck, dude. Like, we were killing it, dude. I was, like, I mean, I was on a crew. Seen, I was I've running seen, the fucking streets. <laughs> I've seen some of the pictures, and they're pretty damn good. I mean, we all have those kind of pictures. And yeah, I mean, dude. the thing is, My, MySpace what can days, you say? Dude. At that time, that was cool as shit. Like, it was. Well, yeah, what, what was your MySpace name? Sidetrack. What was my MySpace name? Uh, I think myspace.com slash Steve Ray Brown is my page if that still loads. But what was my name on my profile? I don't remember. I think it was just Steve or whatever. But uh, yeah, last time I looked, like a couple years ago, that shit was still loading up. Yeah, I, re- I remember like having like um, everyone had their like their scene name, their fucking MySpace name was their scene name. And like that's what what everyone was like. They're like, oh, I'm making my own nicknames out here in the streets. Like, girls were like Katie Danger and like Smashly and like you know like shit like that. 
Well, you know what? I I wasn't in that. Like, I just had my regular name on there. My whole focus with MySpace was when you got on my page, you know, I wanted, like, Snoop Dogg ain't no fun if the homies don't have none to play, like, while you were checking out my page. You know what I mean? Like, that that was my focus there. Like, the name was pretty basic. But my music collection was curated. I was like, all right, it's the middle of the week. What are people going to want to listen to when they get on my page? Like, all right. That's but, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, the New Jersey Tomos kids, they're a real thing. The like, I have a bi turbo on a stock Tomos, and I'm claiming sixty miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Those were the kids that would come to the moped Larry ride, and like, they talk a lot of shit on the internet. But like, at the ride, they were real skittish. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were like Children. a Chihuahua and a moped rider form. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they was just you know real nervous and just it, it was it was kind of funny getting around those kids. That's sick. They do exist. So if you haven't been to Jersey and seen the the rip and team, I mean, like, I don't know if that's still a trope that exists where kids are trying to get Tomoses until they turn 16 and get their licenses, but it definitely was in that time frame. The, Jersey has a ton of Tomoses. I don't know, like, how many shops they had or, like, what the deal was, but, like, when you look on Craigslist and you go to Jersey, there's so many Tomoses for sale there, and you're just like, like on 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 a certain amount, like more than any other place I like I can think of. Right. Yeah, Florida's pretty heavy on them too, but I wouldn't say they're at like New Jersey levels. But there are a lot of them. If I mean, ask my man O'Neill, who's probably listening, who's going to be listening to this. He cornered the market on Tomos in Central Florida. OrlandoMopeds dot com. Shout out. Um, uh, shout out. Just shout out O'Neill for sure. Um, fastest flatland Tomos at Inverness. For sure. I mean, O'Neill has been doing Tomos for a long time and he, you know, buying, flipping, selling them in Florida, but also like building some really fast Tomoses. Like he, to me, he's the Tomos king. I mean, so I've been a little out of the loop. You know, I'm, I'm over here in the former Soviet Union, 7,000 miles away. So you're going to have to tell me, have, have there been some other Tomos gurus that have popped up in the last couple of years that I don't know about? Casserolers, Jake Kane. That's all you need to fucking know, bro. Like, okay. If, all right. If, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check him out. If you wanna Wait, hit, what's his MySpace name? I'll check him out. <laughs> if you want if you, if you to hit an episode of the podcast, listen to the Jake Kane episode. He currently has what I believe to be the hardest and fastest Tomos in the country right now. Okay, and and he's also a fucking weld wizard, so like master fucking welder. So like, the amount of work that went into the bike is insane, and like like a, like a true like old like moped army head, he made a build thread. A lot of kids aren't doing that these days, like bu- doing a sick build and doing something cool, and not like documenting it every picture everything they did and posted on moped army like post the fucking build thread bro like give the information away that's what we're all here for and and if you're scared about someone trying to like jock your steeds like 95 percent of the people aren't gonna even try it so you know just put it out there man and he and he did that he built like a really crazy tomos ripper like crazy weight reduction doing all this stuff testing all this different, you know, stuff and it bike kills it and he documented all of it. And it's all a Muppet army. 
Okay, I think I caught the beginning of that thread, but I need to go dip back in. Um, that's cool. I need to put O'Neal onto his work because he's a little out of the loop too, and I know he appreciates anything Tomos. Um, you know, I, I know some people out there that would tell you TDC don't stand for top dead center. It stands for <laughs> Tomos don't count. But, <laughs> I, you know, I know some other people who love Tomos. So, you know, it, it goes a couple different ways. But, dude, Tomos, you know, Tomos um, is the redheaded stepchild of mopeds, dude. It's like they get, they catch a lot of shit and like everyone jokes on them. But like, you know, sometimes, sometimes you pop out a beautiful redhead, you know? Exactly. There's some beautiful redheads and there's some redheads that just been beaten down their whole life to where they have a good sense of self-awareness and self-reflection and they're fun to hang out with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I can see why some people write them off from the get go. But yeah, I'm, I'm in the, you know, TDC is top dead center. I come up on count camp. Um, yeah. And go follow my man life of O'Neal. See what he's up to. Cause, uh, he is a, a interesting character Do and he's still riding mopeds too. Yeah, dual sport uh, he, adventures. He has, um, dual sport adventures. He's got um, the maxi that belonged to Josh, and then me, Polini, Simo set up that's been blasting East Coast rallies for a long time. He's got that down in Florida now, and you know he's been showing up to some some events with that. So yeah. yeah, life of O'Neill on Instagram. That's my man. I'm glad he's um, still I wanted out there. to talk to you. Oh yeah, he's still out there. He's still riding. Uh, he still got some Tomoses too. Um, what else is he up to? He got a uh, Kawasaki H1 triple that he's going to be uh, putting back together and fixing up. I'm pretty excited for that project. Um, but you know what? While we're on Moped Larry, and I told you I wanted to pick your brain about something, mm-hmm. and that would be Troggle Moped events, as in like non-Moped Army Gang events. Because I know this is in your wheelhouse. I know this is something that you are interested in, and that is meeting these groups of randos uh, and seeing what kind of stuff they put together. So what is your favorite, like, rando rally that you've been to? And I'm sorry if this has been asked before. No, no. No, you're good. Um, So, I don't think talked about the... In the beginning, I definitely talked a bunch about this, like, the difference and, like, the whole thing, the whole, like, fake rivalry between Moped Army official and, quote-unquote, Grum Gangs. And it's all, it's all bullshit. It's like, we're all moped nerds. We're like, it's already a small community, like compared to anything else. Mopeds is fucking tiny, especially in the States, like overseas, like Europe and Germany and shit. Like mopeds are fucking huge. You can watch like some fucking moped rap, like, like rally or fucking Red Bull sponsored moped event that they're doing. It's, it's insane. But like in the States, it's still like small. It's really only been around for what, 20, 20 years or so of like there being clubs at all. So like, I don't know, like I'm pumped on they're always being on, on new clubs. Like, yeah, you got a couple friends, start a club or, or join another one or start a club and maybe get fucking your whole club patched into someone else's club. Cause like they think you're fucking sick cause you guys are killing it. And I don't know. I think it's all the same. Like the whole grum thing and not grum thing doesn't matter because there's like clubs that aren't moped army official that have been moped clubs for 10 years you know throwing crazy free rallies like woolly bullies they're not official they'll never be official because they don't care about that but they're throwing sick rallies they're fucking pulling together and going five deep to like to a rally across the country where they have they all have to fly and like don't even care if they get loners or not like you know 
shit's shit's crazy. But definitely East Coast, LGN, because Legion, yeah, they try to kill us a couple times, but that's not a big deal. They they always throw a good rally, they always have a fun party and the and their homies, and they've been doing it for years as like a non official club, grum quote unquote whatever. And that shit's fun. Um, I went to, I don't know. I haven't been rallying super hard the last two years. Like, I think I hit four this year, but two of them were in and out, like one day kind of things. Uh, the Wizards, young club from Pennsylvania, your neck of the woods. Uh, and they've been around since Angels rallies when she was doing Gettysburg. And they revived it this year. They revamped it and um, did a Gettysburg ride last weekend or the week before or something. Yeah, we went out to one of their rides maybe five years ago. I want to say, I want to say they're out of Mount Joy, PA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just telling you the story or telling everybody on the Black Black group the story about that. Um, oh yeah, that the Creedler. Dude, tell the story. Yeah, Put it out like, there. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't want to bounce around. We're going to bounce yeah. around. It's just going to happen because it's just like we naturally are going to get into things. But I'm like, yo. Your post on the the story, the history of that Creedler, uh, is fucking awesome. You should just tell it, dude. Just tell it real quick, and then we'll and then we'll come back. Okay. Okay. So I had this Creedler, uh, the MP9, I believe, the you know, in the orange colorway. So what happened with that bike was I was home visiting in Pennsylvania one time, and me and my boy Nick were driving through uh, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and we saw this Creedler like leaning up against some trash cans, like a bunch of trash bags around it. We're like, what the fuck is this moped doing in the trash? And like went over and checked it out. And it was pretty clear that like it had been probably stolen at some point. Like it had gone gone through some, what I would refer to as meth head modifications. You know what I'm saying? Like they cut the pipe off at the header and just put like this copper plumbing fitting, like at the end of the header which like amplified the sound and made the thing loud as shit. Like it was ridiculous, like open header sound, but amplified. Mm-hmm. And then there was all kind of weird other shit going on. Like, um, the, the steering stem and the, the top plate on the forks were like welded together. Like the nut was gone and it was just welded on. And I was like, all right, there's all kind of shit going on with this thing. And I kind of decided like, I'm not going to try to like fix this thing or whatever. Cause it was missing like headlight, see all this different stuff. I was like, I'm just going to get it running and just ride it as like a rat bike. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, I re- I remember, I, th- I want to say it was Richmond, 2008. Some of the beans brought it down from Pennsylvania. I drove up from Orlando with some of the Orlando riders who I want to get into later, but they brought me the Creedler and then I took it down to Orlando for a while. And it was like the bike that I would take when I wanted to be just like totally reckless. Like, <laughs> all right, we're riding mopeds tonight. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting the Creedler out. We're going downtown Orlando. <laughs> and I'm going to ride this thing up on the sidewalk and act like a lunatic because I'm 20 years old and I don't, I don't know any better. I don't care. But um, yeah, man, that thing, like I had no brake cables on it. So stopping was just wearing boots you know what I'm saying? Or pulling in the decomp if it got real hairy, <laughs> but it was, it was like really slow. Uh, the top end was kind of worn out and the base gasket had a little bit of a leak and it was always like oozing out of the base gasket. 
But it, that thing, I don't understand how it kept going. Like, it just, it looked like it was oozing mud out of the case. Like, it was, like, brown and sludgy. I was like, that's not good. And I was like, should I change the oil in the case? And my friend was like, no, just leave it. Like, just see how long it goes. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to ride the shit out of this thing. But, you know, I used to ride the thing around. I never took it to rallies because it was too, like, fucked up to ride on a big ride. It was just like a little around town type deal. But we had a rally in Orlando in 2009 and 2010. And I remember in 2009, one of the things that we had as like a, like a game that you could do was figure out how to start this Creedler. Mm. And it was, that was a pretty funny one because the, the decomp had a trick to it and the kill switch had a trick to it. Everything had a trick to it. So it was like, if you can figure out how to start this thing, I'll give you 20 bucks, but you're not going to figure it out. Like this thing is fucked up. But, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I was, I was in the air force at the time, which a lot of the moped kids in Orlando didn't know. Like I kind of tried to hide that cause it was kind of a square occupation to have, but I was going, I was studying earthquakes for the air force on the East coast of Florida, but like living in the middle of the state, like an hour away and commuting back and forth. And so I would go back to the base and I took the Creedler over there and I told this story on the black, black group me about how there was a time when I had this like competition with this Lieutenant Colonel at our base. And he was like, you can beat me in a 5k foot race or whatever. I'll give you my private parking spot in the front of the building. And I was like, all right, man, I'm going to fucking destroy you. And like, (laughs) all right. So I I wasn't, I wasn't out of shape. Now I'm terribly out of shape, but back then I was in good shape. So I beat this dude. He gives me his parking spot. And he was like, all right, just don't be parking like any of your mopeds up there because it'll be embarrassing and people will know that I lost my spot. And like, you know, and I was like, all right, cool. And then <laughs> I proceeded to like take this like rundown Kreidler and just put it in his spot. And he was kind of high ranking. So like these military dudes are like big on appearance. He like called me up. He was like, man, you're trying to humiliate me. You have this moped out there. It's like a piece of shit. Like, get that thing out of here. And I was like, no, nah, man, like, that's my, that's what I'm riding. And he's like, all right, fine. And I was like, okay. And then I was leaving the, the unit one day, like riding back to the dorms where I live. And there were many reasons why I should have been pulled over, but they pulled me over and they were like, what is this thing? And we've all had these experiences, you know, like, what is this thing? I was like, it's a moped. They're like, it doesn't have any lights. Like, it doesn't, what is it? It's like a bicycle. I was like, Oh, it's a moped. They're like, well, it, it's missing like 15 things that you need. Like, don't ever ride this again. Like, if we see you again, we're taking it. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But, you know, the lieutenant colonel was salty that I was putting this creedler in his private parking spot and he fucking snitched on me. It was fine, whatever. It should have been, so, um, been so slow. Oh, it was so slow. I mean, I hacked it by turbo onto it, but since the top end was kind of down on compression, it was it was going pretty slow. But, yeah, yeah, like I had it for the longest, mm-hmm. I had it for the longest time, like in Orlando, I wasn't doing anything with it. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania at the end of 2014 and homie from the wizards was looking for something for like a chopper project. And I was like, dude, meet me at Rob burritos in Lancaster. You can buy it for, I think it was like 75 bucks. I was like, take it. So, uh, and now what he's done with it, with that BMW K 75 rear wheel, the Tomo swap, the bars, He's done a lot of shit to it, and shout out to him, man. He did yeah. a good job with that bike. It's cool. Nathan from the Wizards, dude, has definitely yeah. killed it on this fucking bike. It's it's 
it's definitely the epitome of, of a fucking rat bike still. So it's just like bombed in stickers. It's fucking ugly looking. But at the same time, it's rad as fuck because it's, you know, bedazzled Tomos bottom in. Only person in the country with a bedazzled Tomos bottom in. Get out of here. Come on. Yeah, that's a one-on-one situation. Yeah, that that I do like that feature. Yeah, and, that, um, and that rear wheel swap I, is insane. Like, tons of, like, clutch clutch work that, like, is low-key because cause it's so ugly-looking. Like, the welding, right. the fucking bars out of chains, like, all this stuff. You're just like, yeah, what's going on here? But the bike holds up, and it's been ripping forever, and, and it, it looks cool. Yeah, it does. I, you know what? I didn't have any distinctive features or mods back when I had it other than I hacked to buy turbo on it. And you know how some people will put like insulation on the header or whatever, mm-hmm. which I, I've never been a fan of. But um, I went ahead and put a tube sock on the silencer. Uh, mm-hmm. Not for any functional reason, but I was like, let me put this sock on the pipe. And for some reason, everybody noticed that first. Like, why the fuck do you have a sock on the pipe? I was like, dude, like it keeps the gases. This is another wheelhouse that I love to get into. The fake tech talk at rallies. <laughs> like when you just go off on some random shit with somebody. They're like, why do you have a sock on your silencer? I'm like, listen, dude, you don't get it. Once the, once the gases get through the convergent chamber, into the silencer, they interact in such a way, and if you have the sock on there, it keeps the heat in there, and it helps like more efficiently burn off everything in the silencer. Like that's just fact. That's science. Like just going off, and people are like, "What the fuck is this dude talking about?" Like, yeah, this is this is one of those moments where like I wish I was filming this shit for YouTube already. Cause you just fucking killed me, dude. I was just over here fucking hyperventilating away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to love that shit, man. And there was one that made it onto the performance forum that we, I think me and Josh were really like trying to regurgitate at rallies. And that was this dude who was talking about crankcase reverberation. Do you remember that? No. Some dude, I don't even know who he was. It's not really important. He was just basically like, listen, if you run an estoril pipe on a pook, what's going to happen is like, you know that loop on the back with the silencer? It's sending sonic waves back through the pipe, up through the header, into the cylinder, and into the crankcase. And it's reverberating in the crankcase, like all sorts of crankcase. If you can't figure out why you're seizing, it's not because you're jetting or your needles off. It's crankcase reverberations. <laughs> like it's just reverberating. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, what the fuck is he smoking? And that was a rally thing for a while. I was like, dude, this fucking derby's got crankcase reverberations. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on with it. That's funny. I love like real life. I mean. Real, I love real life trolling, so that's always like the best. Like Moped Army, like oh, there's there's so much like Facebook and fucking Instagram and all this other shit going on now that like I feel like Moped Army's kind of losing some a little bit of the luster because like it's not the one spot that everyone has to go to to fucking dive into it. And when I first was like lurking Moped Army, I only read the repair section and the performance section. But like once I like got my bike running, and I didn't really care about that as much. 
I'd started diving deep into the fucking gen- general discussion and just like the off weird shit, you know, gen- general discussion gets kind of funny sometimes and like lurking hard and God, dude, fuck. I lost my fucking train of thought, dude. It's early. <laughs> no, 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 no. You and I, you and I are linked up right now in a way that like you just led me somewhere perfectly. And so let's talk about the moped army forum. I'm going to tease right now something uh, revealing something that at one point in Moped Army would have been like discussing who is behind the JFK assassination. Okay. Oh my God. Are you going to give away troll accounts? Are you going to like who's behind real the the troll accounts? Well, here's where I'm going to go with it. Yes. Well, (laughs) maybe not. Maybe I'm going to save some details so that you have to have me on for a follow up episode, but I will tell you a little bit about, so the folks that have come into game the last few years may not be familiar with this, but folks that were early, like, well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what years, but if you've been around Mopin Army for a while, you know about Gar. Yeah. You remember all that Gar shit? I never read it. I didn't read it. So it was all, it was just that stupid shit. People were changing their names to Moped Garmi and shit. It was just like somebody who was always trolling uh, putting like just gibberish on the buy sell forum. Any word that has like AR in it, they would change to Gar, like Garmy. Uh, Larry Bird would become Gary Bird or Gary Bird. Like it was just some troll account. And their claim to fame, or one of the things that they were, they were doing was sending dirty hand drawn t shirts to people. Maybe like 2009, 2010. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it got a little bit of buzz on the forum, and there was always a lot of mystery of, like, who's this Gar? Who's this Gar person? And I, I saw a lot of theories out there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not, I'm not going to out Gar in this episode until I've spoken with, with him or her. Um, so in the follow-up episode, I will, I will say more. But what I will say is I was involved with the Gar trolling in that time frame. Um, the, this Gar individual used to invite me over to their house and they're like, all right, we're making some shirts to send out to some people on Moped Army. We would go to Walgreens and buy like plain t-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're just drawing with a magic marker. Like, uh, we had one, it was like Gary Coleman and we had another one, Gary Bird, uh, my favorite one was famous drag racer, Big Daddy Don Garlitz. I drew a shitload of just weird t-shirts, and then he'd be like, all right, spill some wine on them, and we're going to go bury them in the garden. Like, bury them in the garden, get them real dirty, and then we're going to mail them out. And we would mail them out to people, and then people would post on Open Army a picture of them wearing this fucking handmade t-shirt with wine stains and dirt all over it. And I was, look, I was just a young kid. I was confused. I was caught up in some trolling. The real mastermind behind Gar, this motherfucker loved those posts. Like, can you believe that motherfucker's wearing the shirt? He's coming in there. He's wearing it. He posted a picture. And I would be like, yeah, man, I can't believe you. Like, yeah, he's wearing it. It, oh my God. Gar raises its head every, every now and then. I see a post on Muppet Army referencing Gar. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe anybody remembered that. <laughs> I just, uh, I just, because I'm on my open army while we're talking to you. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, dude. I'm just going to have my open army up in case we, we need to fucking dive in. 
and moped garmy yeah it, it's a thing it's real you can put it in uh just just like search like gar shirts or something and use like bunch of gar threads around so i'm like this is facts dude this is some like deep if you can find behind the wall shit oh it's deep it's behind the wall, but I don't even know why it started. Like, it's just weird. And like, and I was part of it and I don't even understand why, it, why it started. Um, but if you find the t-shirt that has big daddy Don garlits and it looks like a dragster, but with the head of an alligator, like at the end of the dragster, that's my finest work as far as the gar troll shirt in my, in my humble opinion. But, uh, what about uh, the, uh... I'm going to reach what about the uh, Which one? the piston and the uh, wrench X'd up and it's uh, <laughs> MGHC? <laughs> Moped Gar Hardcore or something, I guess? Oh, I don't know about that one. That sounds like some fan art right there. That sounds like somebody made <laughs> uh, that one. I'm not a, up on that one. There's an outline of a foot with Gar written on it and it says, uh, <laughs> stop, stop out the slime flu. <laughs> Oh, that was one of them. Yeah, the slime flu, and it was. I couldn't keep up. Like I, like I said, the individual who started this, I couldn't keep up with some of the stuff that he was up to. But I'm gonna reach out to him, and if I come on a future episode and he's cool with it, I'll put him out there. But honestly, it'll be kind of anticlimactic because I don't think anybody's gonna know who this dude is necessarily. Yeah. Which is the other funny part about it, because when it was going on, people were speculating all these like well-known moped people, like, oh, I bet it's Steve from the Land Squids, or I bet it's mm-hmm. so. In reality, it's some random dude in Florida that nobody has ever met. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's whatever. God, dive into that dude's fucking psyche, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this weird ass internet troll. <laughs> Weird internet shit. And, and what was funny is he kind of stopped doing it. Like, he got busy with work and stuff. But then the people who were, like, into this troll shit, they kind of kept it going themselves. Like, other people kept posting about it and sending out emails. And then, like, I looked on the Moped Wiki one day and there was a page about it. So it, it's this weird self-sustaining organism that just keeps living even though the dude who made it is like, uh, I don't even know what that is anymore. You know what I mean? It's that's kind of funny how that happened. That, that's a proud moment, dude. When, when you fucking birth some shit and it just like grows on its own and becomes its own child, you know, live, you know, just grew up a little bit. That's a proud father. Moment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let me say something here for uh, posterity. I wanted to touch on the word trouble. Now this individual uh, who is the mind behind Gar was the person who introduced me to the word troggle. Have you been hearing this around Moped Army? I haven't. Okay, so the word troggle is meant to mean like a weirdo kind of it's like a synonym for weirdo, but it's like a harmless weirdo. You know what I mean? Okay. So so it's like if you saw a ran it's it's basically a synonym for rando too. So if you ran into an old guy in overalls at the gas station, he was riding like a Columbia commuter be like, oh man, I ran into this troggle down at the gas station. He's really nice. Like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so this dude introduced me to this word and I, I want to say to him, it was like a derivative of the word troglodyte. And I started using that shit a lot and I would be up in Atlanta using that shit. 
I logged into Moped Army recently. I saw a motherfucker. I don't know who it was by name, but one of the dudes from the Barons was using it. I was like, man, this word is getting around in the Moped community. Tribal. It's a great one to add to your vocabulary if you wanted to, if you're saying rando too much. So I'm not going to claim ownership of that word because I didn't come up with it. But um, if you hear me saying Tribal on this podcast, that's what I'm referring to. That's what I'm getting at. A rando, a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? But harmless, you know, like a lot of moped people are. Um, I um, think the moped community, more so than any other community, is just full of fucking travel. Speaking of speaking of travels, uh, God, I kind of like this uh, computer during the podcast thing. It's kind of fun. But uh, the um, Queensy Barons from Charlotte, North Carolina, um, a year ago, they were doing a ride called the uh, the Travel Trout Part Two. They're fucking yeah, doing trago you know rides, bro. Yeah, they, they took it up a notch and did the trial. So, Barons, I want to see some comments from the Barons on the uh, the thread about this show on the members forum. Did y'all hear Trago from the swoops? Because, I mean, I lived in Atlanta for a few years. I was up there throwing Trago around. I had some Trago adopters in the swoops who were using that a lot, too. So, I just assumed that the Barons got it from coming to Atlanta and hanging with Swoops, but I'm sure uh, they, I'm not sure they positive. Did, did. That's probably probably true. They probably did. That's probably true. And as far but here as I am uh, again being an old guy, being an old guy like yeah, I've rode Mopeds <laughs> since '04 and I invented the word troggle. Like, do you know who I am? Like, yeah, no. That's uh, look. I just wanted to touch on the word troggle so that people in this podcast listening know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, because, like, I've been um, saying rando forever, so, like, Trago was just like, I, I never got that one. Yeah, you just mix it up, you know what I'm saying? So I, I do look forward to hearing the Baron's response to this episode. Um, let right. me see. Uh, so so we're back in Jersey. We're in Florida. <laughs> are, we back, are we going back to Jersey? Are we going to stay in Florida? Which way are we going? Where are we going now? I don't care, bro. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's stick in Florida for a minute because, okay, so you're very familiar with the Inverness ride. Can you sum up the Inverness ride in like 30 seconds for people that don't know about it? Okay. Um, fuck. Uh, whenever I do this, every time I've talked about Inverness, I always forget what they call their club. Um, the usual suspects. I have yeah. a shirt from the very first ride. Okay. Usual suspects. So Brent, Brett, Brent. Brent, this? Old school Brent. Okay. Yeah. Old school Brent. Through this fucking old Steve Brown because people like to theorize <laughs> that he's my father. Keep going. <laughs> so Brent threw this fucking ride in Florida. And this is like middle of nowhere retirement Florida. Like there's nothing going on in this fucking town except for old people and and people riding Harleys. It's just flat. There's fucking it's a beautiful scenery, the fucking trees. We're fucking hanging with fucking Spanish moss everywhere, and you just show up at his house, and there's like fifty to like eighty people showing up at this dude's house in a suburban neighborhood, just like camping in his yard, like sleeping in the woods, and he just takes us. How about those weird turkey looking things? Oh, dude, weird shit out there, dude. Like Florida's a weird, (laughs) Florida's a weird place. Yeah, Florida, Florida, middle of nowhere swamp, Florida, real weird. But like, dude, Mm -hmm. take us on epic ride like just long flat you fucking end up at this like biker bar where they're selling like crazy patches you know like the the old harley mom fucking selling like these wild ass patches they'll sew the patches on your cut for you 
and like steak dinner for like or lunch or whatever it is for like five bucks, like cheap ass, like big steak. And there's like some country band playing. There's like fan boats pulling up in the corner, and and all these fucking Harley dudes are like, you know, oh, it's fucking mopeds. Wow, this is great. And then uh, you just go cruising around. And you come back, and they feed you, and fucking send you on your way, dude. Stop being that, send you away. And if you do happen to leave the house and go try to find your own fun, um, the bars there real interesting. Like, like, not like a, I don't know, just like middle, of, yeah, it's a middle of nowhere town bar, like trying to like go party there, and some shitty DJ or just like some weird country music playing, and like just like old lady, oh, dude. Last time we went, the last one they had, we took Cuppy, which is a uh, Cuppy was like our prospect for Black Black. Like he was like around, hanging around for a long time before he prospected. And he's like in the club, fucking wet, wet. And um, we took him to this bar with us. And he's a young dude. He's probably he's probably like twenty one at the time, twenty two. I can't remember how fucking old he was. Like mid twenties, whatever. And we're at this fucking bar and. And we're just like having a good time. We're hanging out. We're playing pool. We're doing dumb shit. And this bar's pretty much empty. There's like fucking five randos there, and, and like and a bunch of moped people. And like there's this old lady in the corner wearing like a short jean skirt. Like jean skirts are fucking played. Everyone fucking knows that shit. This old lady just didn't get the memo yet. She was like, oh, I got my jean skirt on. And we look over, and, and Cuppy's making out this old lady. She had to be, dude, she had to be fucking, like, 70 years old. He's, like, making out this old lady, and he's got her, like, laid out on the fucking pool table in the middle of this fucking bar. And we're just, like, like we're just geeking the fuck out of the corner, like, yo, look at Cuppy getting it. He's laid her down. He laid her down on the pool table. <laughs> he laid her down. Uh, and then we like left there. We went to some other fucking bar. And some like some dude was like loved us, dude. Some dude loved us. And he was just like freaking. He was I think he was like fucking doing coke in the bathroom or some shit. He was like, Hey man, you guys wanna party some more, man? Y'all can come back to our place, man. You can come back to my place, man. I got a, I got a spot, man. You guys can come back and party with us. And it was just like some random, like, middle aged dude trying to get us to come back and party and do drugs at his place in the middle of nowhere, Florida. And it's like three black kids are about to go missing, bro. We're like, nah, it's not happening. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad y'all didn't go. Yeah. I'm so glad you didn't go there or accept any free airboat rides into the swamp because I'm, I would have been worried for y'all in that area. West yeah. Florida, man. It's fucking crazy out there. Yeah, it was great. Fun rallies though. Infamous fun rallies. I, I lived in Orlando from well, I lived in Florida from 2008 to 2014. I lived in Orlando most of that time, and I went to the first Inverness ride. And at that point, it was just struggles only. It was like 11 <laughs> people, and like you said, like it grew to be like 75, 80 people by the end. And then there's all kind of crazy stuff. What about the time uh, the dude? You remember the dude from Florida, Nazi John, giving that weird book to Will, and he threw it in the fire. What? Oh, I must have. I must have sleep earlier or something, dude. I missed it. This guy is cl- this guy is classic Florida struggle. There's this guy, and I sw- I hope he's not listening. He won't be listening to this. <laughs> this guy creep. He creeps on the edges of the moped community. We called him <laughs> Nazi John. This guy would show up to rides wearing like a polo shirt and like cargo pants, like looking like all tactical and shit, and oh, like. Yeah. 
carrying a concealed pistol. Like he'd have his Glock like hidden and like, you're like, okay, I bet he has a bunch of ammo in that cargo pocket. And like, this guy was the like the ultimate, like, I don't know, alt-right tactical commando motherfucker, but he rode a moped and he would come to the ride and he was really into me for some reason. He's one of those people that like repeat your name to you when they talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. Steve, how you doing? Steve, you're looking good. Like, Steve, look at this moped. Like, he was, he was too friendly to me. I think maybe because I'm real Aryan looking. I got the blonde hair and the blue eyes. He's like, all right, this Nazi motherfucker. I got a, I got one right here. I got a live one right here. Let me get him on my team. But I was like, okay, no, like, what's going on? This dude came out to one of the Inverness rides, and he had some weird book. Once again, Will D, I want to see you in the comments clarifying this. He gave Will some type of, like, racist book. And Will, like, pretended to look at it for a minute and just threw it in the bonfire. And this dude was pissed. And he didn't flip out. He, like, walked away from the bonfire where everyone was and, like, stood by a tree and was just kind of, like, looking from behind the tree until, like, 2 in the morning, just, like, watching everything. Like, is he still over at the fucking tree just, like, watching? Like, oh, yeah, he's still over there. Like, just weird as shit. So, Will, please, please chime in on the the thread on the members forum. Cause I want to hear what you think about that. Cause I probably mm. misremembered some part of that. I don't know why I'm not in but, the members forum right now. I'm sure I'd be getting way more dirt, dude. I was just like, Ooh, Nazi John. What's the word <laughs> on this dude? <laughs> Nazi John. I don't think there's a lot out there on Nazi John. Oh, He's uh, his internet is. presence is small. <laughs> oh, there is. Oh, 20, re- 20 <laughs> results, bro. <laughs> it might not be twenty different threads, but uh, well, not, it's not all John. But there's definitely there's definitely some hints to this guy, and people are like poking at him for sure. That's funny. Oh yeah, he's something else. I posted a picture with uh with a revolver one time, and he'll always post like subtly racist stuff on on things that I probably <laughs> he'll be like. Oh, you're gearing up for a ride down in Miami, aren't you? <laughs> Basically being like, Oh, you're going to a city with minorities? You better pack a gun, buddy. Like that's you know, be careful. That's funny. Like, what mean, the fuck? That We're from Virginia, so it's like you can like legally open carry here and shit. So it's like in the southern state and like guns, like I don't care. Like I am like people have guns, like whatever, it's fine. But like Thomas like takes his gun with them places, like he's got a concealed permit and like we've taken guns to rallies and like i remember like, we went to new orleans and um and thomas didn't want to bring his gun into the casino because he was scared they were going to be like metal detectors or some shit and he tried to like leave it like in his helmet like in a in a pouch like like under the bike or something and sean was like no 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 dude no we're not just leaving a gun on the sidewalk and like sean just like stuffs it in his fucking in his cut and like walks into the casino Wait a minute. Which which casino? Uh, New Orleans. Uh, what is it? I, I, I don't know. Because you're you're making me think of the New Year's Day casino incident that we had when we stayed at Chris Schatz's house on New Year's in like 2013, and then we tried to go to that casino in Maryland, I think, and they wouldn't let us in because we had cuts on. Damn, I wasn't there for that one. Yeah, that was that was. 
something else. They're like, yeah, you got your biker cuts on. You guys aren't coming in here. And we're like, what the fuck? Come on. And they're like, nope, nope, no, no excuses. Like, you're not getting in here. I love, then, when, I love when people get super serious about that. Like, they'll, if they saw us on the streets, they fucking clown us. But then, like, they're like, oh, you got a cut on. Like, no cuts, no three pieces. Like, we have that problem here at fucking bike night. Like, you show up at this, like, bike night with all these fucking middle-aged dads and their fucking BMWs and, like, wannabe Harley dudes and, like, the fucking crotch rocket guy in the corner and you're just, like, we show up on shitty mopeds and have cuts and, like, oh, you guys can't play these cuts around here. And this is a, this is a no-cuts event. Like, we don't want any gangs. So they used to have, like, trouble at, like, bike night like a couple years back. Just, like, dudes wearing cuts. Like, we got some Mongols and shit that live here. Some Satans or whatever. I mean, angels or whatever. And it's just, like, I'm like, dude, we're fucking riding mopeds, or what do you what do you think's happening right now? Look at this thing. I'm not even sure it's gonna make yeah. it home tonight. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and what I wonder about is those dudes who wear like those phony cuts. You know what I'm saying? It's like Sun Anarchy Cleveland, the chapter, or some shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they bought it at Walmart. Have you ever seen those? Like, what what happens when those dudes show up? Are well, they those turning just, them away for their sons of anarchy cut? Those dudes just, just don't know, dude. Like, like people who legit wear sons of anarchy like patches. Like, I'm like, yeah, like you're you're legit just rocking the sons of sons of anarchy hoodie right now. Like, this is your this is your jam. You <laughs> love it. You love it. It's like, uh, it's it's cool. Like, I get the show is fucking fire. I watched it, but then it's like, I don't know. There's all sorts of weird shit with that. Like. It depends where you live. It depends, like, what's going on. Like, some, some biker clubs, like, don't give a fuck. Like, they're like, oh, you're out of moped? All right, man. Cool, man. Do, do your thing, kid. And, you know, like, they don't give a fuck. And then there's places where, like, yo, man, you got to take that off or they'll fuck you on the street or something. It's like, especially places, kids, like, I've been, I've been posting. I don't know if you've seen it, like, on Instagram. I've been posting, like, um, uh, I've been posting cuts all week. Or not all week, but last couple of days. I'm like, yo, like. What's up with your club? Do you guys rock three piece patch? Like, do you, what do you, what do you guys do? Like, and I posted Black Blacks patch and Rebels, and I was like, yeah, send me send me your cuts. I'll repost them. And you know, some are some are this, some are that, some are one piece, some like you know, because they don't want to like they had issues and they don't want to fuck with it. And then I've seen a couple where people are like claiming like um, like slow pads, uh, claim are claiming the state, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of sketchy. Like some some biker dudes like have problems with people like claiming territory on their shit like so and especially for us like we don't claim a territory like there's double black and then like rebels it says moped club on the bottom it's like all right you're gonna fucking get upset because these guys have something that says moped club on it get out of here yeah i mean when i lived in orlando the warlocks had and still do have a presence there and like you know they were on gangland and shit no big deal the motherfuckers but we was friends with those dudes and like they were cool with, with us as long as they're like, oh, you guys are doing like a jokey thing here? Like, cool. No problem. Like, that's fine. But we had to like talk to them to make sure they knew we were up to some jokey shit. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I think some of these people have, like you said, have no concept of like how serious the real clubs are. And like, if you sit down and like tell them what you're about, they're going to be like, all right, these guys are no threat, whatever, they're a joke. But if you have no communication, you could get yourself in a weird spot with them. Yeah. I think it's a weird transition um, to seeing, um, seeing like friends, like, cause I've had some friends who became like legit, like in legit biker gangs. And I'm like, it's weird seeing that happen. You're like, 
I don't know. And at the same time, too, it's not like 80s and 70s or some shit where it's really popping off. Like, oh, word, you're in the Mongols now. But, like, you guys, you know, you guys aren't, like, fucking running the streets, like, gun running and fucking having shootouts. Like, nothing crazy is happening. So, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's like, okay, take this bag of Coke and go ride to Daytona Beach or some shit and take it down there. You know, like, they might get into something a little, and you're like, oh, that's kind of crazy, I guess, but hey, if that's what you want to do, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, me, I'm like, oh, yeah, man, pass me the weed pin at the rally, bro. <laughs> We're like, that's, <laughs> that, that's that's really what Moped Army is about, you know, for the for any of the feds listening right now. Uh, Moped Army is a, is, a, is a secret organization on the internet. Based around gun traffic, I mean drug trafficking at moped rallies with nerds. <laughs> you you had me thinking when you started telling the story about the open carrying and stuff, and like being at a rally or being at the casino. I remember. Do you remember the year when we went and did the moped tat, and then we all came back like at the rally mm-hmm. in Denver? Mm-hmm. So that black, year black we rising. got back. Black Moon Rising. So we came back from the Trans America Trail. I had this like cowboy looking revolver with me on the trail, so I could just I don't know. Rick was using it to shoot at snakes and shit. Um, but we got into Denver for the rally, and somebody was like, "Yeah, you can open carry here." And I was like, "All right, cool." So I'm just like walking around Denver with this big like revolver, and somebody's like, "What are you doing? You can't have that out." I was like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "Well, some parts of the state, but not in Denver." And I've been walking around for like days with this gun, and I'm sure some people at the rally were like, "This is a fucking he's a gun nut or some shit." Like, what's wrong with this guy? That's so weird um, that, like, that the state doesn't have like one law for the whole state. You think it would? What's odd? Well, Pennsylvania is another prime example of that because you can open carry in PA everywhere except Philly. Philly is like super strict on guns and like you could yeah. you know you're going to get arrested if you're open carrying there but like everywhere else in the state the laws are well, different. Well, so, that, well, that, well yeah, that makes it, sense. It's fucking <laughs> Philly. Yeah it makes sense. It does. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's one of those things if you are a gun, a gun owner you got to be up on those those laws. Okay so 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 like the bouncing around shit was going to go um, since we talked about Tat real quick I'm going to go ahead and play something for you and, and kind of let that kind of go for a second. Okay. All right, cool. One sec. Let me get it queued up. Hey, this is Sammy from Denver. Uh, I just had a couple questions for Steve Brown. Um, so I was wondering since he's, on the tap before if he had any advice for the groms on groms that are looking to do the tap and also if he had any words of advice for potential child brides that try to fuck you when you're doing the tap um, any information would be useful and I look forward to hearing about it thanks cool <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> So there's wow. a well. Let me. Adju- there's a group of guys who are doing who are riding grums. They're gonna do take on the TAT, but they didn't want to take mopeds because they wanted something a little more reliable. So they're taking they're taking grums on the TAT. Which for those who don't know, it's the Trans America Trail. It's one of the largest trail systems in the U.S. You can look it up. Uh, there's been a group of guys who took it on with mopeds and 
which is always already epic. I know you've heard us talk about it before with uh, a couple other people on the episode. I can't remember what episode, but we've talked about it before. I know it. So yeah, get into it. Um. So to address the first question, I mean, I like the Grom idea. I mean, you're talking about a really reliable four stroke, small, nimble. Uh, there's parts of the trail where sometimes there'll be like a downed tree or something like that. And you're going to be able to easily like lift that Grom up over it. And like it's, it's, I think a Grom is very doable on the tat. Um, and I mean, I'm, has it already has it already been done on Grom's? I feel like it might have been, but I don't know. Um, I'm sure those guys know. But yeah, I think that's a good decision. I think they're going to be fine. And then in terms of the child bride, so we saw our biggest concentration of child bride candidates in Arkansas. <laughs> uh, when you get around Oark National Forest, you get down like in some small towns where you might be camping out. And the whole town is like, ooh, what are these like city folks doing here? Let's go chat with them. And, and what they're going to do is they're going to bring out the child brides um, <laughs> and, and really just kind of scout out some mates. And um, you want to try to watch your gaze because um, in my experience, a lot of times, you know, small town out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you can have some child brides. They may or may not really be wearing appropriate clothing. And you might be tempted to look and then you're kind of like, oh shit, that's the 13 year old kid. I shouldn't be looking. Let me walk away here. Um, but you know, that strategy didn't work for Rick or myself because Rick and I both uh, attempted to walk away from a child bride uh, situation to, uh, to a river spot where we ended up just finding, you know, the child bride kind of in the water with their weird older, like, husband slash daddy like watching them from a distance and i was like oh no hell no like we need to get out of here this could go wrong um yeah you know it's just one of those things i mean i get the sense that some of these um husband slash daddy characters are you know they're they're more interested in some type of weird um orgy situation but uh you you, you want to stay away you know, from all of it. It's just, it's crazy. The tat, the tat takes you through some parts of America that I wasn't aware still existed. Like I've traveled a lot, but when you're getting to towns out in the middle of nowhere in like Arkansas and Oklahoma, where people are living in bungalows in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, yeah, we just got cable like two years ago. I'm like, Oh my God, like what's going on out here? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm one to talk. I'm living in Kyrgyzstan right now. I don't want to sound like Mr. Uh, City Slicker over here. But, <laughs> yeah, the TAT will take you through some very interesting parts of the country. So uh, I wish best of luck to the Grom crew that are tackling the TAT. Um, I did it on a Suzuki DR350. I was the support vehicle. So anytime the mopeds were having issues, which was quite often, um, I would – ride off and like, you know, meet up with the chase truck, get parts, stuff like that. The chase bus, I should say. And also had some wild experiences towing people with a DR three fifty out of rough situations. Not not the easiest to tow a moped off a rocky trail with your dual sport, but we attempted yeah. it many times. Oh yeah. So that that's my thought on the tat. I have to say, I only did uh, Teleco Plains, the the beginning in Tennessee, um, until Colorado, 
I would like to do the Western portion in the future. Um, Tyler Christmas has been talking about it. So um, I'm hoping anybody listening to this that's interested, get at Tyler Christmas because I know he's looking down the road and wants to do a tat trip, and uh, I would like to get back on it too. I know uh, Mike Beasy and some some of his guys just did it on dual sports, like out out west from like I think Kansas, like out. Yeah, and I mean, once you get west of Colorado, the difficulty level kind of goes up. So uh, that that's that's kind of where I want to head at some point. I, I I recommend it to anyone, and I'm a little out of the loop, being that I've been out of the country for a few years, but. When we did it, like my maps all start at Teleco Plains, Tennessee. But last I heard, the dude who made the maps, Sam, I can't remember his last name, Sam, whatever his face, he was trying to extend the tat so it reached all the way to the coast on the East Coast so that it went like East Coast to West Coast instead of just starting in Tennessee. I don't know if he finished that or updated the route, but I heard that that was in the works. Dude, that has to be a fucking wild man. Like, the the to, to just make this map, make this route, and go out here and try to make make some long connecting trail and make it like a thing. Like that's got to be insane, dude. Like just I don't know. I was I was listening to something today about like you know people doing ultra ultra running and like you know running hundred plus miles in twenty four hours and and just like people really pushing the limits. And I feel like trying to make a trail like that is like one of those things like some one percent fucking alpha male fucking out in the middle of wilderness like i'm gonna make this shit happen no matter what yeah i mean it's really kind of crazy because not, i mean a lot of what he used were you know existing like forest roads and service roads and like all kind of different stuff but then there's also a lot of sections where he like went and got permission from like private property owners for the route to like go through there and you know, there's all these things that have cropped up along the route because, you know, all these people that live nearby are like, man, there's a lot of those off-road motorcycles coming through here lately. And like, after a while, they're like, oh, we get it. Like there's this route that goes through here. So now you'll find like little, little general stores, little spots that like have signs up like TAT trail riders, like stop in, whatever, sign this book. And we stayed in a trailer in I want to say in Arkansas also I can't remember the town where uh, it was called the Tat Shack and the dude was like yeah if you're coming through on the Tat contact yeah. me in advance and, and you can just stay in my single wide trailer we had a little wild kind of a wild night there where there were like eight of us in the single wide trailer and we drove to the nearest like major town which happened to have a Buffalo Wild Wings oh and yeah we hadn't we hadn't seen any attractive people in like a month. Um, besides each other. And so we're, you know, maybe not a month, but a few weeks. And so the waitress, she was looking very attractive to some of the members of the group. And everybody was like, oh, bro, like, I'm going to try to talk to her. I'm going to hang out with her. And she ended up, like, wanting to hang out with us and, like, giving her number. And then we got back to the single wide trailer and realized that there was no reception out there. And we were like, oh, man, like, she's not coming to hang out. Like, and then the next day, it was like this total letdown. She was like trying to call people and like yeah. wanting to come hang out with them. And I was just sitting there dumbfounded, like, why does this waitress want to come to a single wide trailer 
in the middle of nowhere with eight dudes who are riding an off-road trail on mopeds. I, I'm going to leave that to to the imagination, but I was very adventurous, confused bro. why she wanted to hang out with us. She's adventurous. Yeah, we'll, we'll say that. I was a little surprised. Um, uh, sometimes you just got to say yes, you know? You want to have stories in your life, you got to say yes. Yeah, that's true. I say yes a lot, so I guess I get why people would say yes. Um, yeah. Something something else. Um let me let me see. I was thinking about Florida. You had me thinking about Florida earlier. Now you're talking about the Trans America Trail. Now I'm thinking about off road mopeds. And now I'm still thinking about a, New Jersey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> are, you, are you still on New Jersey? Because we can go back to the, I'm always willing to talk New Jersey mopeds. Do you want to talk about moped warehouse and their like shipping times? Do we want to get about into Chris Moped Warehouse and the nineteen seventy seven porn video? Has that been discussed Ooh. on this on this podcast? I think we've mentioned the porn video once and I think I, God, I can't remember who I heard it from. Cause I, I got it from someone who, who really, cause ah, I don't know what episode, but like someone brought up the porn thing one time and they said that, that a couple, like someone walked into the store while it was happening. Like they didn't lock the door. Like they were still like open. Like someone came in on it. Huh? Some, some crazy shit. I didn't, you know what? Yeah, no, I never, I never heard that one, but I mean, li- listen, the, I feel like everyone should watch this video, track it down online. Um, you know, 1970, it's going to be a uh, Christina Rose public disgrace. You know, if you're into BD, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that I'm into BDSM porn, but I feel like it's a true litmus test for your moped interest because if you're watching a pornographic scene and all you're focused on is the fact that they have handcuffs on a Magnum LTD and they might scratch the paint, then you're a real moped person through and through. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just kind of looking like, man, check that TSM in the background. Like, you know, maybe look at some ass a little bit, but then I'm like, oh man, why are they putting the handcuffs on those handlebars? Like they're going to scratch everything up. Like, it's a stressful experience when you see all the bikes in the vicinity, but, uh, you know, you might want to watch it. I don't know. I think think it's hilarious. You fucking remember her name. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably shouldn't. Um, let's just say, I will say I have a good memory. Let's let's (laughs) say that, but, um, yeah. And then for people, people that don't know the backstory on that, um, this actually ties into New Jersey and Moped Lair too, because uh, Chris from Moped Warehouse was like this weird middle-aged dude who kind of lived in his parents' basement and owned a moped website and had all sorts of stuff. And this whole scandal broke out because he was taking people's passwords off their moped army or off their accounts with his website and then going and trying them on Moped Army and then getting onto the members forum with people's accounts. And doing some like shady shit. Sketchy. And then he got called out for all his shady shit. And then he decided to retaliate by being like, well, look, the other moped website, 1977mopeds.com, they rented out their workshop to be used in a BDSM uh, porn shoot. So they're worse than me. And then it was like this whole back and forth for a while. And it was pretty blast, dude. But yeah, it was a little messy on the forums for a while. There was some banning that took place and some reappearing and some more banning. But uh, crazy. Like I told you. Chris used to. Sh- oh 
Oh yeah, yeah. He was like he was like really trying to put them on blast, and um, you know, it didn't work out for him because his business did go under, and nobody you know would shop at Mopay Warehouse anymore. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, he used to come out to the Mopay Lair ride, and he would ride a Derby variant, and I've always been a Derby enthusiast, so I'd be mm-hmm. like trying to check out his setup. We'd be like, "Oh, like what top end are you running on that?" And he's like, "I'm running a one of a kind 55 cc cylinder that I had cast for me in Spain. Like you can't buy it anywhere." And we're yeah. like, "Okay, cool, so, that's awesome." So many epic like, bullshitter. Oh, he's a bullshitter. You know, he's probably just running like an airsoft 50 kit. But he's like, "Yeah, 55 cc, one of a kind, had it cast in Spain." But like, you know, he was ripping pretty good on that variant. It was a blue variant. And I want to say he had stickers on it that said 55 CC or something. But I remember one of the Moped Larry rides, he ran out of gas and he was like, I need gas. And they gave him a container and he's like, Oh, this is premix, right? Like 50 to one. And they're like, yeah, it's premix. And it turned out it was straight gas. And then he went on the ride and like totally seized this derby and like kind of destroyed his one of a kind cylinder from Spain. And he was very pissed about it. I don't think I ever, remember seeing him after that year at the moped lair ride but chris from moped warehouse i got fucking sabotage they set me up oh yeah i'm sure he had some theories behind it he he reminded me of kind of like a wackadoodle conspiracy theorist guy who thought that like you know he's kind of secretive but um yeah um his new jersey moped business has gone under but there's a few that are still around how about moped junkyard yeah, my pet junkyard dude. That was a that was a good one back in the day. They're they're hanging around. Yeah, they're oh, still like, here. You need like a throttle cable for a for a Batavis, like hit them up, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's like a, it's it's really like definitely glory days right now, dude. Fucking between treats and dose and seventy seven still, you know, doing their thing. Um and then on um, that VDM pook parts, I don't know if you've heard about that. It's like this dude's doing some pretty cool pook parts, like in Europe somewhere. I can't remember where he's where he's from, but he's doing some. Wait, cool who? Stuff. I don't want. I don't want to slander this guy. Who? I caught the tail end of some drama with some online pook site where they were trying to give away a cylinder and somebody won it, but then they never shipped it. That wasn't BDM, was it? I, I never caught the wind of that. I don't know. Okay, I there was some drama that I had. Somebody in, in the comments might pop up and talk about that, but yeah. um, oh, speak, yeah, it really is the glory days. Speaking of your, uh, oh yeah, speaking of your love for derbies, I just want to say real quick, dude, like um, your gray variant that you sold to Hani, it was in DC. Mm-hmm. I was on the fence, bro. I almost bought it. And I was going to like keep it for you and be like, oh, I'm going to surprise Steve when he gets back and be like, yo, I bought your bike. You can buy it back for me whenever you want it. Like, and I, I just didn't pull the trigger. I blew it. I waited like a day too long. And when I messaged, I'm like, yo, man, can we like work some deal out? Like, I'll give you some money now. And I'll give you the rest like in a month or something. He's like, oh, I already sold it, bro. And I'm like, fuck. Was it Hani or was it Hani's boy that was selling it? Hani sold it. So his boy's got it now. So okay, yeah, because he hit me up and like tried to link me together with his boy. Like, hey, I told him if he has any questions about this bike, that you'll like help him out. And I was like, damn, I kind of wish I had kept it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that was a good one, dude. That was I, yeah, I appreciate the thought. I would have definitely bought it back from you had you done that because you know I sold 
all of my bikes before we moved to Kyrgyzstan. And now I'm sitting here like, man, I'm getting back to America in three weeks. I have nothing to ride. Like I got to start from scratch, which kind of a good feeling. Like I can get some new stuff, start some new projects, but I sort of wish I had something to ride right from the get go. Yeah. Oh, this bike's kicking but, um, around, dude. Yeah, this this bike's kicking around. I'll find something. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I wanted to tell. Can we transition into um, like some bike purchase, like Craigslist kind of stories? Dude, I'd love to. Dude, are we, are we gonna talk with the blind guy? We can talk about the blind guy with the Laguna and the C5. I was, I had that there. Um, I got a couple like other you, ones. Too. I like how you just, uh, I like how you just hit him with it real quick. You just, you're just like, oh yeah, let me tease you real quick. Yeah, blind guy <laughs> with the Laguna and a C5. What? They're all like salivating right now. Like, what? <laughs> Have you had any like bike purchase Craigslist kind of stories on the podcast before? Um, everyone's told some, you know, you know, I saw it. That's a big part about mopeds. It's like, you know, the hunt and buying bikes. And so, you know, there's always been a little bit, but I just, I know you have some good ones. So whatever you get into it, fuck it. Yeah. Let me give you some quick hitters. I don't want to be too long winded, but I had a good stretch down in Florida where I was buying a lot of cool bikes because I started to discover like, um, Florida, you know, you got all the retirees down there. So you have all these like folks that moved down from up North who brought their stuff with them. You have a lot of ex military people who happen to buy mopeds and stuff when they're serving overseas and then bring them back with them and keep them for a long time. So I was finding a lot of weird, like import stuff and like hard to find bikes. Nowadays, if you find an import bike for sale, you're like, Oh, it came from Dose. Like who got this from Dose? Like what are they selling it? But, uh, this was like, before Fred and Dose like really started selling bikes out of the warehouse. And like, if you saw something that was European, you were like, Oh shit. Like how did that get to the country? Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, so I had three oddball pooks that I came up on two condors and a Monza. So the first con condor is the red one, the kind of adventure bike looking deal, which eventually ended up with Rob burrito and sparked a lot of controversy in the first pinball run. Oh yeah. Um, that's so crazy. I didn't know, I didn't know that was your bike. That's insane. Yeah. So, so I bought that in, um, I got that from a moped guy named Kevin in Jacksonville. Shout out Kevin. Really cool dude. Uh, his username on Moped Army, Uncle Skeletor. Um, <laughs> this dude, super cool. They had a little, a little crew in Jacksonville too. I can't remember what they call themselves, but he found that condor. And I want to say he got it from somebody that had been in the military and brought it back from Spain. And he hit me up. He's like, Hey, I have this rare pook. It's a four speed, um, dual sport kind of pook. Like, do you want to trade me a derby for it? I was like, yeah, I'll trade you a variant for it. So, um, that wow. thing was really fun. Why I wrote you do it, that? I wrote it up. Yeah, I don't. It's such a I, rare bike. That's I, probably the only one in the states. It's the only one of that variant, like of that, like that setup that it has, um, or that kind of like configuration. I rode that at Whiskey Business. I want to say 2010, whichever year was like the quarry year, where they tried to lock us in at the quarry. Um, I had a fun time riding it that weekend. It was it was solid, but I sold it to Rob Burrito. It went on the cause a controversy in the pinball run. I had another condor, which I bought in West Florida. 
which was like a dirt only model, no lights, no nothing. It was meant to be like an off-road one. And the guy who had it like knew nothing about mopeds or didn't really know much about poop. He was just like a vintage dirt bike guy. And he's like, yeah, I found this old pooch uh, vintage dirt bike and I decided to restore it. And he did like a very half-assed job. Like mm-hmm. he spray painted a lot of stuff and whatever, but just to find two shifter pooks within like months of each other in Florida was really weird. And like, I sold that one to Rob Burrito too, so that he would have like parts for the other Condor. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was the Monza Barcelona. And I have a theory that all three of these shifter poops came back from the same spot in Spain. Like the same dude brought all three back, but I'm not positive. Um, I got the Monza Barcelona off Craigslist up in Jacksonville and uh, got it running, put a PHBG on it. It had like a vintage Metrikit pipe on it. And I took it to Louisville. I want to say that whatever the year before the quarry rally was the year before I rode the Condor. So um, yeah, that bike was pretty fun too. And that ended up being sold to Rob Burrito and his boy, um, What's this boy's name? You know who I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh, it starts with an F. I can't. He was like he he was supposed to be on a pinball run. Uh, anybody who listens to this from PA is gonna be pissed mm-hmm. at me, but I don't remember the dude's name. But he was Rob Burrito's boy. He bought the Monza Barcelona. He's supposed to get it to, together for pinball run. I haven't seen it since. I don't know what's going on with it, but um, that was a string of luck there. It worked out really well. Um, yeah. That same year. My boy O'Neill in Orlando hits me up one day. He goes, hey, man, there's a free derby on Craigslist. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm interested. I get on Craigslist, and there is a derby in, like, south of central Florida, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was a yellow TT. I called the guy. He's like an old Harley guy. And he had this yellow TT that was like a pit bike that he would ride around the property. He's like, yeah, I don't really want anything for it. Like, I'm trying to get just get some space in my shed. So I was like, all right, I'll drive out and get it. And I had just like had an issue with my truck and my roommate was like out of town. I was like, Hey man, um, you have this junk car in the driveway, this old Chevy Cavalier (laughs) that's like missing on one cylinder. It's like running on three cylinders. I was like, do you mind if I drive it like an hour away and put a moped in it? He was like, well, I don't know if it'll make it, but like, if you want to try, you can. I was like, okay, cool. So I drive this Cavalier like an hour away and I get there. The dude is a fucking character. He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, bro. Like I don't really ride mopeds, but I used to ride a Harley. And every Friday night I used to ride from Philly to New York city with my woman on the back. And I used to drink the whole way there. So I would just be drunk by the time we got there. And I used to actually drink whiskey while I was riding. You want to know how I did it? And I would be like, uh, mate, yeah, why not? He's like, all right, I would have my woman reach up and pull in the clutch lever because I would have a bottle of whiskey in my hand and I couldn't grab the clutch. And she would hold in the clutch while I shift and I would just keep drinking whiskey the whole time. And I'm like, all right, that's a cool story, man. Like, you sound like a wild guy mm-hmm. back in the day. And, like, and he ended up just giving me this derby and being like, you know what? Just give me like $50. So I feel better about this whole thing. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll give you the 50 bucks. So I put it in the Cavalier, tore up the headliner whatever, took it back to Orlando. I think that bike eventually ended up with Ryan Nash 
it was like missing the seat, but it had a vintage Arteza kit on it, and it's kind of made its way around the country now. But yeah, Ryan Nash I never kept anything. Don't see, yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame him. I'm the same way. I've gone through a ton of shit. Um, but uh, I guess I should I should tell you about the blind guy now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a time uh, when. The dude Adam Nail up in in Michigan, who I know is uh, you know a controversial figure in mopeds due to some stuff that happened a few years ago, but you know he had been cool to me and he uh, he was doing troll ads in different parts of the country, and he started posting ads in Orlando after coming and visiting down there one time. He came down and we became friends, and then he started posting ads on Craigslist like derby moped for sale or shit and i was like all right he's trolling me he's trolling other people in the area and so i kind of started ignoring them and then there was a day where i got on craigslist did my morning searches and i found this ad it was just like vintage mopeds all lowercase and i click on it and it's a picture of like a mint laguna and c5 um and the picture is obviously in Florida because there's palm trees and shit around. I'm like, oh shit. Like, where did he find this fucking picture? Because, like, it's obviously Adam trolling. Like, there's no way this is a real ad. Like, nobody has two really rare derbies in mint condition and just calls them vintage mopeds and, like, doesn't know anything about them. But um, I start doing, like, Google image searches, trying to trace where the photos came from in the ad. I'm, like, contacting Adam and he's like, no, it's not me. I'm like, okay. So I get on the phone with the people and it's an old lady. And she's like, yeah, we're from New Jersey. We moved down here. My brother, he's blind and he's had these mopeds since 1981. He's never ridden them since he went blind. Like, I guess he lost his sight, like right around the time he bought them. And they're just in mint condition. He cleans them and keeps them in the garage. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Um, I would like to come by them right now. And she was like, oh, okay. Um, uh, that's, let, let's, okay. And so it was like two hours away. And I remember I didn't like, I had a limit on my ATM to where I couldn't pull out a certain amount of money. And it was a Sunday, so I couldn't go to the bank. So I had to like, I'm pretty sure I called O'Neill. I was like, hey, I need some money. And I just took off, get down there. And I come in and not only was I, I was talking to the older lady, but her brother, like not only was he blind, but he was also kind of mute. So he came out and he was just kind of gesturing and like grunting at me. And I was like, okay. And then he pulls the covers off of these bikes. And it's like a mint Laguna and C5. The uh, C5 had 57 miles. The Laguna had 322. And they had all the accessories that you would have wanted. Like the Laguna had the tack. Everything was intact. and. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, okay, let's like, let's seal this deal quick. And like the old lady, her, his sister is like coming out like, yeah, we've had like 10 people call in the past hour about these bikes. And I'm like, really? And unbeknownst to me, like mm. Derby Dam from Fort Lauderdale and J Cam, they're all trying to wheel and deal and go get them. But I just kind of beat them there by like an hour or two. And Derby Dan, you got enough Lagunas, bro. Get out of here. Yeah, like he, you know, he's good, you know, and, and Jay Cams, you know, I was super tight with him and like was always down to deal with him, but I was like, no, nah, I'm getting these. And the dude, 
the blind guy, he was showing me the extra parts that he had. He had like three spare pyramid reed motors. Or was it was, it might've been two pyramid reed and one piston port. And one of them had an old kit on it and he's pointing at it. And he was doing this gesture, like a throttle turning motion being like, yeah, that's the fast motor. Like, turning his wrist and shit and kept pointing at it and grunting. I'm like, okay, that's the fast motor. Cool. And I ended up just like packing up the bikes and getting out of there. And it started raining on the way home. I remember freaking out. I was like, these bikes have never seen rain. Like they're so, (laughs) they're so pristine. I like get them home and I put them in the house and I like put them in the living room. And then I'm just looking at them. And I just started being like, what the fuck am I going to do with these? Cause like I'm kind of OCD and like, if I have a nice bike, it drives me crazy if I get like a scratch on it or some shit. And I hate that I'm that way, but that's just how I am. So I was like, there is no way I'm going to throw these bikes in a truck and take them to a rally. Like I'm going to freak out. I was like, I need to sell these to somebody else who's like going to actually like do right by them. So the, the Laguna went to J cams and then I think later to Derby Dan, and now might be with somebody else. And then your boy uh, Brett in Richmond has the C5, right? Or is he, he's not in Richmond anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Brett from the Satans, he moved out west. But I remember he yeah, dropped so out he, and get it. He, he ended up with dude, that. He was so secretive about buying that fucking bike. He came back to Richmond. He was like, he was all like tight, tight cheek, dude. He didn't want to tell anyone what he paid for it, where he got it. We're like, oh, yeah, this thing. It's like, minty it looked like it was like restored and like repainted and shit like it, that's how perfect it looked you know yeah yeah so i mean those bikes have now been ridden i know brett put some miles on that one and i'm not sure where the laguna is but i sold off the spare motors and all the spare parts like it came with a bunch of like brochures and manuals and like new old stock stuff if you search on the general forum there is a thread about it um, I don't know what to search to bring it up. Maybe if you type like Laguna 322 miles, I bet it would come up. Cause I think I put the mileage in that, in the post, but if you want to go look that up, if you didn't see when that happened, but yeah, that was a lucky find and it worked out pretty well. Um, Florida has some treasures waiting with all these old people that are just like sitting on bikes that they've had forever. Dude, what are what are some of your like uh your like off kilter like uh Craigslist searches? Off kilter Craigslist searches. I remember so, talking to someone who was like, "Oh, dude, I just go through the years." They were like, "I do 1975 or and then they just do all the years and search like every year to like 1990 or something." Yeah, I would say I do a lot of like, I mean, stuff that I'm sure a lot of people do, like, um, I'll do like street legal, or I'll just search like stroke, because usually people only specify if it's a two stroke and like, you know, I'll put like stroke, street legal, vintage, rare, Um, I'll do misspellings. I search all the like oddball brands like Gas Gas and Carabella and Bull Taco, like all the older motorcycle brands and moped brands. Like, um, I I think that's most of what I do. I do some, you know, 49 CC, 50 CC. I do like misspellings of some of the brands and shit. Um, but I've really fell off on it lately. You know, I've been living overseas for over two years and like Mm -hmm. before I left, I was, I was kind of busy with work. So 
my days of like being on Craigslist first thing in the morning and like combing through ads um, have kind of gone by the wayside. But and, and sometimes I'll, I'll be just randomly sitting there and thinking like, what if there was a lagoon in Florida right now and I, I don't even know about it? You know what I mean? Like, what if I didn't look for it? Um, I do know of a couple oddball bikes that are still floating around in the central Florida area. There was a dude who rode with us in Orlando. His name's Sean, but we called him Bluntface because he was always stoned. And Bluntface used to live in a houseboat behind like a motorcycle junkyard. And he made friends with this dude um, in Sanford, Florida, who had a bunch of stuff. And then one day he hits me up. He's like, bro, I got this Derby RD50. I'm like, really? That's cool. Let me fucking see it. And like, he shows up on this RD50 and is like riding with us. I'm like, that's fucking cool. He eventually sold it. And I remember taking it to a rally so that responsible John could take it out to Washington. But the dude that he got the RD50 from supposedly had a Laguna in his warehouse also on a couple other derbies. But this dude is like notoriously hard to like get up with. So um, I've kind of fallen out of contact and actually I think O'Neill is the closest to being on the trail of these, uh, rare Florida bikes that are still kicking around right now. Hmm. Chase down dude. I went to, I went to the dude's warehouse, not his warehouse. I went to his like personal garage one time and he had two of those, uh, Jawa ultra sports in the mix, which was kind of cool. Cause they had all the fairings and all the shit. And I wanted them. I'm like, yeah, I want to go fucking 30 miles an hour with a full fairing. But he wanted way too much for him. Crazy. Dude, I just... Have, um, you seen that? Have you seen that? What's up? Did you see that thread on Open Army right now with that dude who is, like, building up an ultra sport and he's, like, modifying, like, porting it and doing all sorts of shit? I'm not. Okay, it's on Moped Army. I can't remember if it's on the performance forum or the general forum, but some dude right now has just bought like an ultra sport and he's trying to make it like go a little faster than, and so it looks, uh, it goes fast as it looks, you know, but uh, so it's the first time I've seen somebody really doing anything with one of those in a while. Like all fairing out, like, oh yeah, it looks like, like, like a motor became with like the race fairings and shit. Yeah, well, I mean, even. Even Lagunas, too. Like, if you ride a stock Laguna, it looks like a fucking racing motorcycle, and you're going, like, 28 miles an hour on a stock Laguna. Like, the first Laguna that I had, I bought from Ben from Switchhand Signal in Pittsburgh, and I remember he brought it to the Louisville rally, and I was like, oh, my God, I got a Laguna. This is, like, 2010, I think. And I took it out and rode it. I'm like, this thing is <laughs> so fucking slow like geez, I was gonna like kid it and stuff but like it's just funny like how cool they look versus how slow they are stock yeah yeah exactly it's like it's, I mean, it's still still a moped in every way yeah like yeah it might have some racing heritage and a lot of like motorcycle inspired looks but it is definitely a moped um well would you would you call the Derby Laguna one of the most sought after mopeds in moped army yeah, I would have to say so because, I mean, you know, LTD, we know there's 500 in the States. The Laguna, like, we don't really know exactly how many are out there. It could be less than 500. It's probably less than 500. Um, we were trying to get some of that information. 
Um, when we were doing the Transamerica trail planning, we got in contact with Harry Clem, who was the dude who started MoFast, you know, and they made Derby parts and poop parts in the eighties. And he had like, you know, some, you know, he had developed parts for Derby in the States, you know, um, he went overseas and helped Derby with their Spanish dirt bike teams. And then they were like, Hey, we want to develop like some performance parts for our mopeds in the States. Like, do you want to start this company? And he's like, sure. So we tried to pick his brain about like how many lagoons are there? Like what's going on? And you know, he was really nice. He sent us like some MoFast like gear and stuff. I have like a MoFast polo shirt that Sean gave me. Um, but we, we didn't really, he didn't, he didn't know that information either. So the fact that he didn't even know was kind of like, damn, I wonder how many there were. Yeah, definitely. So I, I don't know. I think so. Um, the last, I mean, I don't want to keep killing you with all the stories cause I know they're getting long, but the, no, the LTD, do you remember the LTD that I brought up for Sean? The um, like real ratted out one. So we had two that were super, super beat. Like one was like, like they found in this, this guy had this like junkyard behind his house and it was all like woodsy. And like, you just walk back in this graveyard of like half buried fucking mopeds. And that's where you got one. It was just like the tank was rusted hole through. It was, it was thrash, but they like, put like a life in on it or something to send it out to Colorado. But yeah, yeah. I remember the other yeah, one that came so, through. So that was the, that, that was the one that I brought up for Sean. So I got that one in Ocala, Florida from this moto junkyard. And the dude was really cool, but he hated selling stuff. He was just kind of a hoarder. And I was picking around back there and I knew it was a Magnum as soon as I saw it. And I was like, Oh shit. Like it's an LTD. And like the dash was there. Some of the other distinctive features of the LTD were there, but the number plate was gone. And I remember like digging through the leaves and the dirt, trying <laughs> to see if the number plate had like ended up somewhere. And we even were like, okay, we're going to bring a metal detector out and try to look for this little number plate. And I was like, dude, we are not going to find that thing. But, um, he sold me that really roached LTD for a hundred bucks on the condition that like I would promise to restore it. And, yeah, it ended up with a life hand on it. Uh, I think Jono, Jono did the engine swap on it. Yeah. Um, but he loved it. Yeah, dude. He but saw, the fairing off. He saw how ratty it was. And was like, oh, he, Jono saw that thing. He was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I give it, give this to him. Can I have this? He was so thrashed, and he just wanted it, dude. Yeah, that's kind of like it's kind of it's like how I feel about it too. Like I don't want a mint restored LTD or something. I want one that's like totally roached, so I don't have to feel bad about like fucking it up, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely see why he was so into it. Yeah, Sean took the fairing off of it and put it on that other LTD that he had because uh-huh. um, that one was missing the fairing. Dude, I'm kind of pissed um, because like that one came through, and then Sean had that other one, and then um, Noah. I think Noah had two. And then we had some, we used to have some rando dude who like rented shop space or whatever. And he had one. And I was like, yo, all these fucking limiteds around. And I never got one. I never kept one. I never got one like that. And then like a couple of those variants that came through that I, that I never like bid on. I was like, Oh, I'm doing fucking my motive can. Like, I don't need no variant. Like, uh, like uh, just shit like that. You know, <laughs> I'm 
down. I was down. I was too deep down the rabbit hole, bro. I was like, oh, I'm like two thousand, three thousand dollars deep in a motorbike, and I can't be buying variants. Yeah, I mean, I kind of transitioned from I'm into pooks, I'm into derbies, I'm into everything to just being like derby only for several years. And at one point, I had like seven or eight variants. So I was just like deep in that derby life, and I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck about it, LTD. But looking back, I kind of. Wouldn't have minded, you know, I don't, I don't know, keeping, keeping one of those and having it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to say you had it, I mean, you know, it's just, like, oh yeah, check, this, this is my hoard over here. Check it out. I mean, Sean just hit me up recently about the one from Ocala that came out of the junkyard. Like he we were talking about it. Well, he posted about his other LTD and then we were chatting about it. Cause I recognized the fairing off the one I brought up from Florida. The fairing had been like sitting inside this guy's like building and I asked him, I was like, what this, what's the story with this pook moped? And he's like, yeah, you know, some guy brought that in like 20 years ago. And I saw it had a fairing and special handlebars on it. So I knew it was something special, but I didn't really know what it was. So, but I kept it. And it sat outside for 20 years, totally got roached. But he had taken the fairing and put it inside. And <laughs> he was like, yeah, I have the fairing to that thing. I was like, well, can I have the fairing with it too? And he was like, I'll sell you the bike and the fairing for a hundred dollars. If you promise to restore it, I was like, all right. And he's like, let me go get the fairing. And he goes and gets this LTD fairing and it had red paint just running down it that had been dried, you know, for years. He's like, yeah, I think a can of paint spilled over in my storage spot. I was like, okay, no problem. And yeah, Sean, Sean left it just like that and put it on the other LTD. Guys, old dudes like that are so ridiculous, dude. I remember like going to that um to the big junkyard in Inverness. Like we do the Inverness thing, and then like we'd pull up to their junkyard that was like you know not too far from like where their rally spot was at. It was just like the same shit. Just like you're in the woods. It's just rows and rows and rows of just like thrash four wheelers and dirt bikes and like oh yeah that 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 shed over there. That's all fucking exhaust pipes. Oh, and that that thing over there—that's a bunch of all intakes and carburetors that are like drowning in fucking swamp water, and like it's just like dumb stuff. Dude. We were pulling, we were just like unburying like motors, and like oh man, like let's bring this fucking motor home. Like V ones completely locked up, like just like two feet deep in the mud. Like yeah, this is perfect. How much? Fifty bucks? You're crazy. <laughs> That's the thing too, man, is like, just like there were all these beach areas in Jersey that had mopeds back in the day, Florida had a big moped concentration too. And like in the past, like three, four or five years, like other than the dudes over in Sarasota, the dirty petcocks, mm-hmm. most of the Florida people have moved out of the state and like the Florida scene has totally died off. But like, there's a lot of good mopeds to be found in Florida. Um, and there was like a racing scene back in the eighties and old school Brent and another dude who used to come out to the ride named rich, uh, who goes by rag stretcher on moped army. I feel like Nazi John right now. We were talking about Nazi John <laughs> earlier to bring it back to him. Not one of Nazi John's things that he used to do. He didn't really know anyone in real life. So when he would come to the ride, he would come over and he knew everybody based on what their forum username was on Moped Army, but he didn't know what anyone looked like. Mm-hmm. And he would come up to me and be like, Steve, uh, who's dog shit 37? 
And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, okay, who's who's kitted poop ninety four? Like, I gotta find that guy. I'm like, I don't know who that is, John. Like, get out of here. That was always like, my fucking. Total- that was always my problem with fucking like screen names and stuff. Like when screen names really big and you're in group chats and all the shit. It's like, yeah, like the 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 alter ego internet name gets really confusing after a while when you start trying to like piece it all together with people in real life and it's just like I don't know like events like that it's like alright man everyone needs a fucking name tag you know internet it's like especially an internet based group alright yeah you show up at the rally you get your fucking name tag <laughs> <laughs> yeah that man those Florida troggles but that you know what those dudes down there they had a racing scene in the 80s and the one dude posts about it on open army here and there um rich aka rag stretcher he's the kind of dude who's real into like uh free mods on poops like taking two cigar pipes and cutting them in half and welding them together to make a chamber like shit like that Mm -hmm. and he's real big on all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, we used to have a race series in Florida in the early eighties. And we were all on like ported stock cylinders on maxis with like homemade chambers and shit. And we had guys with V one, but the dudes who were like totally roasting everybody, the fucking guys on like Safari commandos with the Minarelli P fours, like just, you know, like probably shouldn't have been racing in the same class, but, um, Apparently there's these twin brothers that run a lawnmower shop in South Florida and they have a Safari commando with a P4 that they've had like since high school. And I've been like trying to dig out info on that bike for years. And every time I ask about it, people are like, yeah, they're not going to sell it. But I'm like, I just got to keep putting feelers out because those bikes are not easy to come by. I think it's more so the motor because I had, I had the, um, the Safari, the MT300, like, that looks just like it, you know? Right. And then, like, uh, Vince had the step-through version. So we had a, we've had a bunch of those, like, top tank and step-through Safaris come through. But, like, not not the one with that, that motor. Like, we all had the V1 versions. Right. Yeah, the motor is the, the most appealing part. My guy, um, Rob Kane, a.k.a. Flashy65, a.k.a. MopedCentral.com up there in mm-hmm. Hershey, Pennsylvania, he's got quite a collection, and he's got some, some Safari Shifter stuff going on, along with the Laguna and a bunch of other stuff. Rob, Rob's a big-time dude in the, I guess, uh, Pennsylvania moped. And Anybody dude. like... <laughs> and selling stuff you know everybody know everybody's been rob kane at some point yeah that's what uh that's what josh said when we had like i had josh was probably one of the first episodes i ever did and um and that's what he was saying he's like yeah man like everyone got rob kane it's like you know you buy it you buy a bike from (laughs) you buy a bike from rob and you get it home and and it works and the next week it's not working anymore yeah, like Rob Rob's just a hustler, man, and he's like so chill and laid back that you don't really feel threatened when you're doing a deal with him. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm getting a good deal here. But then once the deal's over, you're like, God, he fucking came to me. Like he really got me. Like what did he do? I came myself one time, dude. I went to look at this bike out I, I was I I I was Craigslist hunting and I like 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 you like how you got deep in the derbies, like I went down that hole in, in the hobbits. Like after I got out of motorcade, I was like, "Oh, hobbits! Oh, hobbits!" And like one time, I think I had 
eight hobbits at, uh, at one point, like all at the same time. And uh, I remember, like, I found two hobbits in the same town, like, 15 minutes from each other. But it was, like, two hours away. So I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And I'm like, I'm gone. I got in the car. I left. I drove there. And I'm like, one of them was, like, minty, like, perfect condition. Some dad restored it for his, like, 15-year-old daughter. But she couldn't ride it worth a shit. So he just, like, was selling it. But it was, like, he bought the tires from the Honda dealership. Like, that kind of shit. Like, he's like, oh, I don't know where to get parts. And he went to Honda dealership and bought brand new tires. Like, and I was like, oh, this bike's perfect. And then I went by this other one. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is pretty decent, man. I'm looking at it. And I'm talking about it. I'm like nerding myself out, like telling him about the bike. Like, oh, it does this. And this is the decomp. And this is how you disengage the motor. And I'm like, perfect. Oh, it's got the plastics. Like, I'll take it. I got that fucker home, dude. It didn't have an exhaust pipe. Too caught up in the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes, like, nowadays I slow down, but I've done that a lot, too, where you just want it, and you're like, oh, this is it. I've already made up my mind before I even get there. Like, I'm leaving with this thing. Dude. You know, another thing, you were asking me about oddball searches. I don't do it so much anymore, and I think it's much more well-known now, but I think maybe 10 years ago, I was really heavy on buying mopeds on eBay and I really feel like there weren't a lot of people that were looking on eBay nowadays when people post stuff on eBay, like, you know, a lot of people are on it, but, um, I bought several bikes on eBay over the years. Like I remember one time I bought a Moby, a 50 V in Florida and the final bid was like $48 with no reserve. And like, it wasn't running, but I won the bid and it was some old man in Florida and I was like, hey, like, I'm over in Cocoa Beach, Florida. I just moved here. I was like, um, I need to get somebody with a truck. And he was like, oh, I'll just bring it to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're telling me I won this Moby for $48 on eBay and you're going to bring it to me? He's like, yeah, I'll just bring it to you. I was like, okay. No problem. Like, like, dude's going to spend more money in gas, like delivering it. Yeah, exactly. He was like, yeah, no problem. I'll just bring it over. So, it, you know, it's, it's, I had another situation with a, this, not so much a nice guy, but a weirdo with um, a Kawasaki AR80, another bike that I bought that was entirely too nice for me to own. I like saw this AR80 on eBay and you know, those bikes are kind of hard to come by. So whenever yeah, one definitely. pops up, I kind of perk up a little bit, you know? And there was this dude in Sebring, Florida, and he had like seven or eight AR80s. He was like, claiming to be the U.S. like AR-80 expert. And mm-hmm. he was just some like old dude like living in a retirement community in Sebring, Florida. And like I won the bid on this AR-80 and I went to go get it and he had restored it. I got it for way cheaper than I should have, but it didn't have a title. And anyways, I was looking around like all his spare bikes and stuff and he had like three parts AR-80s, all this shit. And he was like, hey man, like you want to come inside and have a beer? And I was like, yeah, why not? And I didn't see anything wrong yet. Keyword mm. being yet. So I get in the house. He like goes to get beers out of the fridge. He gets these beers and he's like, um, yeah, I got these Filipino beers. You want one? And somehow the, the conversation went to like, at the time I was dating a girl who was Filipina and he was like, oh, no shit. 
He's like, I'm married to a Filipino woman. I was like, oh, cool, man. Like, that's cool. He's like, hold on one minute. Hold on one minute. This is like an old Southern white guy. Mm -hmm. He like goes and gets this like 20 year old Filipino woman out of the bedroom and brings her out to the living room. She knows no English. And he's like, say hi to him. She's like, hi. And then she like turns and leaves. It was like the most obvious mail order bride situation that I've ever seen in my life. He's like, yeah, that's my Filipino bride right there. That's my wife. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's like a trained dog situation. Like he brought her out to, to make her do a trick. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there with him, like drinking these beers. And he's like, so what are you doing in Florida? I was like, well, actually, like I'm a seismic analyst. I study earthquakes for the Air Force. He's like, no shit. I was in the Air Force, too. I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, listen, man, we both have Filipino wives. We both were in the Air Force. We both like beer. We're basically the same guy. I was like, oh, no, we're not the same guy. Like, let's walk this back. Like, no, like, it was ridiculous. But I managed to get out of there with the AR-80, and I was happy to leave. But. Yeah, that was he was another funny one. I traded that AR eighty to J Cams for a variant and like a weekend's pipe back when they first like started making their pipes because I was like, listen, I can't own this bike. It's too nice. It was like mint. I like spilled gas on the tank, like filling it up the first day that I rode it. I was like, nope, I'm done. This thing. I'm not. I'm, I'm not fucking it up. That's crazy, dude. Fucking weekend's pipes, bro. Yeah. I, like those dudes, those dudes are fucking characters. Like, I don't know what you envision or what people envision about like a business when they picture it in their head, but I was friends with those dudes. They were over in Eastern Florida and Port St. Lucie, Stewart area. And like, they started that business out of like a fucking storage locker. And they were like in a big, like storage locker, basically like welding pipes. And the first pipes, I'm sure you remember, a lot of people remember, were like the thinnest metal imaginable. They would like they would break so easily. What's your experience with weekend? I never I never had a shitty one. Like I, I, I never like I never owned one, but everyone beside me and around me were like had them. And I was just like, yo, this weekends they were killing it. They were good pipes. They were doing the thing. And it was like this is like before there was any motion left moped like pipes and stuff. It was like you get like the basic shit, like fucking whatever EVs and promos and stuff, or or you got the weekends, like weekends with the new pipe, you know, popping out. Like, it's like, oh, it's from the community. Like, get get the pipe. You know, everyone was getting weekends pipes, dude. And then MLM came out, and everyone's getting MLM pipes. And now, like, the new Cranks pipes are, are coming out, and everyone's, you know, trying to get Cranks pipes. So I, I feel like that's just a trend in, in mopeds, you know, like when something new is coming out. Like everyone's got to try it out and see what's up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right on the weekends pipes. Like they were always powerhouses. Like they were really good performing pipes. I mean, a lot of people complain that they were super loud, but I'm like, you're riding a fucking moped, like whatever, you know? But, um, the dude who made the weekends pipes, Jamie, like he really knew what he was doing and his designs were pretty on point, but I guess maybe it was just the prototypes that he had done that were like made of like fence posts, basically. Like they were really <laughs> ridiculous, but like I gave them a variant to use as a prototype for like the first like variant pipe that they did. And 
they gave me one uh, for letting them use my bike, and it was it was a ripper. Like it was loud as fuck, and that it ripped really hard on that pipe. But um, hey, loud pipes you know, save kinda, lives, brother. Yeah, loud pipes save lives. Let those who ride decide. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, they they did a good job. They kind of they kind of disappeared. J cams, uh, who was kind of the face of weekends. Do you remember when he was doing that Yamaha LS2 twin with the two Gila cylinders, poop Gila's? No. That is one of my favorite build threads on like the general forum. J Cams has built a lot of crazy bikes, but he took this Yamaha twin 100cc, figured out the the like looked at the boring stroke and realized like, oh, I could put two poop Gila cylinders side by side on this really easily. And he did. And like, he posted a video of it running and shit. Never really saw it like in action or at a rally, but just the fact that he was like, Oh, I'm putting two poop dealers on this old Yamaha 100 from the seventies. And it was pretty sick. And of course, like their weekend. So they made pipes for it too. And those little Yamaha twins, little one hundreds and one twenty fives, sound awesome. So that's a really cool one. I encourage people to go look that up um, on the general forum. That's Back pretty, in the day. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um man. I remember dude, I remember the Inverness and uh fucking Brent, Brent had the fucking um the bird and bees frame, like to look like a giant triangle, like all made out of steel. And he had the uh mm-hmm. it was like the yellow jacket, it had a like, can't paint like a bee color or some shit, and it had the uh the double carb. Yep. I was like, yeah, what's, what's what's the point of having this double car? It was like, there were two shawls or something, too. It was like, double shaw. Twice, yeah, it was like twice the gas. 15, 15 shaw. <laughs> like, the two 15, 15 shawls, like, the airflow equivalent of, like, 121 PHPG, basically. Like, <laughs> it, it was a little ridiculous, but you know what else? You're making me realize, old school Brent, a.k.a. OSB, a.k.a. old Steve Brown, that dude loved doing twin shit on his moped. His um his maxi with the Polini had the Technogas twin pipe on it, which mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone else like successfully blast on. Like I've seen that pipe before. I feel like a lot of people don't use it just because it kind of sucks and you have to get rid of your center span. But he had that Technogas twin on his maxi with a Polini kit. And he was in the sixties just cruising and I'm like, dude, I've never seen anyone else run one of those pipes. Have you? No, no one. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like they yeah, show them on there, dude. Don't they? Hmm? Yeah, I know you were there, Wait, but why like, would you who, who Yeah, why? Who has that pipe? Nobody else runs that pipe. It's like why? <laughs> what do you want this thing for? So so you have trouble turning both ways? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that pipe, I don't know. It's kinda like too I don't know. It's it's smaller than two by turbo. It's just not a great pipe, but somehow he made it work. I was pretty impressed. Still am impressed. Um, did you hear that, that Brent's thinking about doing Inverness again? No, I haven't. Oh, Dude, no. I thought he moved like, away. No, well, he moved out to Minnesota, but then he moved back. He's back in Florida, and O'Neill's been talking to him, and he's been teasing that he might do a Inverness uh, rally again. They're always fun, man. It's like, wasn't it, like, that's the thing too. It wasn't like, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like a big, 
overly planned out. Like, like wasn't like you know some some rallies now they're getting like, especially ones that I'm like, oh, I'm doing a rally. Like, it's got to be different, epic, and we got to do some shit that no one's doing. And like, and other clubs are like, oh, we got to raffle off three bikes, and we got to you know take them in this adventure. We got to choose our own adventure, and like they're doing all this other stuff, and it's like. That ride was literally just like you come, you hang out, and in this yard, and you talk about mopeds. You just get to see people, and you go on a nice ride, and then you come back and chill. It wasn't anything over the yeah. top. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, one thing is you can do that when you have like seventy-five people versus like two hundred or two fifty. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But on the same hand, I was just talking to Seth K the other day about how sometimes you go to a rally and they do like the scavenger hunt format or whatever. And when you do those kind of like rally ideas where everyone kind of diverges off in different directions, a lot of times people end up just hanging out with the people that they came with, yeah. which, you know, I'm no stranger to me and Josh taking off the cheesecake factory <laughs> in the rally. Like that's the, Hey, that's, that's why I'm in my wheelhouse. But you know, to go to another city and then just like hang out with the same folks that you're always hanging out with, like sometimes it kind of it's kind of a rally cop out. Like it's it's not the best thing. It's, it's better to have everyone like sharing the same experience. And don't let me get sappy about like what a moped rally should be. But no, but that's, I thought it was an interesting point. No, that's a real thing though. It's like that's that's kind of how I feel too. It's like I I liked the scavenger hunt rallies that we that I've done and that I've been to, but like the last couple of years, definitely the last three years, four years, I'd say maybe even longer, dude, since, since, cause I remember there was black moon rising and we did it. And then it was like, then it was like every year after that, someone was doing it. It was like, okay, we go to new Orleans scavenger hunt. Okay. We come back to Richmond for small scavenger hunt. We go somewhere else. Scavenger hunt. It's like scavenger hunt's fun, but it, it, you're you're separate like you just said you're separate all day you're not with everyone else then you come back together and you're like oh how was your day what you guys do cool now we just do this party together and then it's over but you didn't see anyone like the whole time you were here right yeah and you know and some people are kind of contrary i mean i'm one of the ultimate rally contrarians once again that likes to just dip out but like i remember at black moon rising Josh and I were on the scavenger hunt. It was supposed to be like, find the beans, the black beans and take a picture <laughs> with them or some shit like that. And like, this was the era when I was on like a boost mobile phone from like 2006. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even a smartphone. So like I had no way of putting the app on my phone or anything. And we were like, yeah, no one's going to find us all day. And like mm-hmm. me, me and Josh and Ranielle from the swoops, just kind of rode around Denver. We went to a public pool and like somebody was having a cookout for like a birthday. And we just like got in line with these families and we're like eating food from their cookout and shit and like playing their football in the public pool. And we're like, this is the fucking best time ever. Mm. But then on the same hand, I was like, I didn't see anybody from the rally, you know? So yeah. I, I get it. Some people like to make their own experience, but on the same hand, you know, I, I can see both sides of that issue. Yeah. I remember just like, uh, I broke out and we went to like Buffalo Wild Wings, which it was tight. And then, um, we, uh, what else would we do? That was weird. That rally. We, uh, uh, we were doing, cause Richmond's always doing weird speed mods. So we were like speed modding kids in front of like, Oh, you're at this fucking stop for your checkpoint. And we'd be out front, like speed modding bikes 
Like just like pulling off plug boots. <laughs> and lightly, lightly draping them over top of the spark plug. Oh my god. Some, some, yeah, some kid came outside and snitched on us. We're like, ah, oh, you're soft, dude. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, there's always room for a little, you know. Just get a little naughty in mopeds. Like, come on now. If you're a resourceful moped person, you get speed modded. You should be able to be like, all right, I can solve this quickly. Oh, haha, like it's over. But if you get bent out of shape over that, I don't know what to tell you. Dude, I remember. Damn, I remember some ride we were on. It was like we're in a city. Like, no clue where it was at. We're in a city, and you know it's traffic, so we're kind of like going bumper to bumper or moving a little bit, and we stop and move. And like I've like played this game too with people, so it was really funny that I didn't get what was happening. But like I'm on my bike, and like you know we're all stopped, and then you know the light turns green or whatever. We go to take off, and like, I hit the gas, and like, my bike's barely pulling off, and I'm like, man, what's going on? I look look down at my bike, like fuck, that's weird. And I and I and I take off, and like I go and I get to the next stop, and then like you know light turns green, and like it happens again, and I'm looking down at the bike, I'm looking around behind me, I'm like, man, I don't know what's happening. And then, like, it happened a third time, and, like, I turn around, and Sal from fucking Smog Squad was, like, holding the rack on my bike. Like, every time I go to take off, <laughs> he had been, like, holding me back with his hand, and, like, everyone behind me was just, like, geeking out, dude, just laughing and stuff, and I'm just like, fuck, dude, they got me. It was so bad, because, like, I, cause I, cause I do that to people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to say shout out to Sal. Congratulations on the birth of his child, man. Sal's oh, yeah, a real man. one. I just, when I think of Richmond rallies and I think about blasting at the front of the pack and riding just like a lunatic, I think of Sal being up there and I think of Nigel being up there. And obviously, your bikes are always fast enough to be up there, but you're usually like doing something responsible, like taking, making sure people are where they're supposed to be and shit. You know what I mean? But me, Sal, and Nigel, I just have some good memories of just some butthead riding. Uh, yeah, Nigel is definitely the most irresponsible rider that I know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Sal would be on that like fucking flying Frenchman, like super, super tuck shit sometimes. Like, oh, he's tucking so hard right now. It's like, I remember that, dude. I remember that. Sa- be- I remember Sal had this one fucking bike, dude. It was like, um, it was like a Hobbit and it was pretty fast. It wasn't the fastest thing, but it was pretty fast. And, but, but, but something was up with it, dude. Like, you know, like when you, when you change out the rear transmission in a Hobbit, like you like open it up and you don't put it back together. Right. And then like, there's like metal shit rubbing. Like you put a shim in the wrong place or something, something like that. He fucked it up, like rebuilding the final drive. And, it's just right. like whenever it starts winding up, you just hear it like wah, 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 just winding noise, dude, just from like the metal rubbing inside. And like you could hear Sal coming from like fucking halfway back in the pack. <laughs> it just be this this whistling sound. It was like wah. and he's like full tuck, blasted by, you just hear this bike whistling down the street. You're like, dude, that thing sounds so fucked up right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because we have some friends who are talented at what they do working on bikes, but some jobs require some 
serious precision while other ones don't like if you want to get really drunk and and like spray paint your tank or some shit like no problem but like if you're rebuilding something you got to be like putting shims in and stuff and you're just kind of like fucking around and not paying attention i'm i'm scared like I, I'm, I'm worried and like i don't know that's why i'm always telling people like just slow down like before the rally like make sure you put it together like double check everything but some people don't have that like cautious like thing in their brain they're like nope i'm slapping this together as quick as possible i'm trying to get done yeah and and the whole thing with like wrenching like wrenching alone and moving by yourself like it's doable you can learn a lot you can you can you can read on the internet you can figure shit out you can get it done and show up and have a good time but once you like get with friends you got some buddies you got a club or you got like a, a wrench hole or spot you can do it with people you learn a lot faster there's people to help and like you can pick things up and like that like it just helps like the you progress faster but it can also lead to like heavy distraction especially when you're doing stuff that like it's kind of important like trying to talk to your homies and like everyone's joking and having a good time around you while you're trying to rebuild motors and fucking transmissions and stuff is just like sometimes it's going your favor man yeah you know that's one of those things I don't really have a lot of experience in that realm because I'm the type of dude who's like real fussy about shit. Like I want to work on my stuff at home and like, I like to organize my tools. I'll be sitting there with a pair of rubber gloves on and shit. So live in a city where there's like, especially don't buy in. Like I might pitch in a little money, just like hang out at the shop. But like, I'm the kind of person that if I was in a shared workspace and my 10 mil goes missing and shit's like scattered around. I'm like, all right guys, like where's the 10 mil? Like I can't find my shit. Like I just know myself well enough to know that I'm going to get pissed. And so rather than be an a-hole to my friends, I'm like, you know what? Let me just not have that happen in the first place. And I'll just work on my shit at home. Cause yeah. I'm just kind of high strung about like working on my shit. But I imagine there's some funny scenarios that go down in like shared workspaces with people that just like move shit around and take shit and like, you know, I'm sure you could speak to that. Oh dude, definitely. With like the shred shed and how we, how like when Sean had his shop here, like Sean had, so Sean from black black used to have a moped shop in Richmond called uh, the shred shed East. And you know, based off the shred shed they had out in Colorado, but like he rented out space to like, Help like some like like the rent and like help him out like on the rent or whatever for the building. So like you know everyone would like who wanted to rent a spot there could like bring in a toolbox, a couple bikes and whatever, and have a place to store store your stuff for like you know eighty bucks a month or something. It was pretty clutch, and you have all your boys around, and it was fun. But then at the same time, you have like the dudes who are like, oh man, let me borrow a tool, let me borrow a part, let me do this, let me do that, and like you know your shit goes missing, or you don't know where the tape went, or you're at a fucking carb cleaner again, and like. Oh, you're out of rags. Like all that shit definitely happens when you're in a group spot. Like I, we kind of forcefully lost our last spot due to like theft. Like people were breaking in and the landlord wasn't doing shit. So we all like jumped and like bounced out real quick. And kind of like, that's how Richmond is right now. We all got split up and we're all in different spots. Like I think we ended up having like five or six garages between the people, maybe seven between the people that were all in one spot. And that kind of split us all up and I've, that kind of had me by myself in a single car garage. And now that I, I did that for two years now that I have the house, like I have a spot to myself and I'm just like, all right, well 
yeah, group shops are awesome, but I talk about it, but I'm like, oh, at the same time, I'm like, oh, I know where <laughs> I left the tool last time. Like, I still don't know where some tools are from, like, last time I, like, let someone borrow it. Like, oh, yeah, I'll bring you guys some tools to the shop you guys are at. And then, like, you forget that you gave someone, like, a really important tool. Like, yeah, where's the timing tool? Like, that's the worst about mopeds. Like, when you have friends who don't take the time to buy their own tools for, like, things that they know they're going to need all the time. Like, dude, like, for you to take your flywheel off, you need a flywheel puller. And how do, how does no one in your garage own a flywheel puller? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> There's three of you, and no one's yeah. got a flywheel puller. What are you doing? Yeah, and if it gets to the point where it's like they get to, like, the seventh, eighth time borrowing the same tool, it's like, can you just go to Harbor Freight and just buy one or some shit? Like, yeah, go buy man. one. Like, you've used this thing, like, eight times. Like, oh, dude. Here's yeah. A, here's the thing, because, like, you're, cause you've been in the moped since, like, so long, like, early mopeding. What are some, like, um, like, Chibi Joe, like, just, like, makeshift tools that you used back in the day? I remember like not having a flywheel puller and we used to remove a flywheel with a hammer. You just like, you grip the flywheel with your hand, <laughs> like with all your fucking might, you'd hold the flywheel and then you take your rubber mallet or sometimes you have to get step up to the metal one and you tap on the magneto from the side while you're pulling it back with your other hand, just like tap, 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 tap. And then we'll like pop off and you're like, yeah, got it. <laughs> you know, I think, I think for me, it's like a, a lot of the tools have remained the same. Cause I mean, we're talking 15 years, but on the same hand, I feel like a lot of the things that we started doing in mopeds, like performance stuff has just been stuff that trickles down from motorcycles and dirt bikes and stuff like that. And it, the things that once we start doing it in mopeds, it seems like it's a new thing, but like people in motorcycles have been doing it forever. We just like just started trying it with mopeds and it would just be like little shit. Like, I remember, you know, trying different pipes and stuff and like taking forever, um, messing with studs and nuts. And then I was like, Oh, I could just use Allen screws here. And I remember just little shit like that. I'm like, Oh, like, no, why don't we use Allen screws for all this shit? And then like, you know, treats now will sell all these like Allen screw sets and shit like that. But, um, back in, you know, back before there was a lot of parts supply, you were just doing, you just weren't thinking like, oh yeah, they use these type of fasteners on motorcycles. Why the fuck wouldn't we just use them on mopeds too? Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about this Pinto that I had. I remember um, Harold from the Creatures was real big on the whole quest for like a 50 cc, 50 mile per hour poop on the performance forum back in the day. And like, 50, 50. I used to follow all his threads. 50 50 poops, Harold from the Creatures. He moved to Arizona then, but like, he was all on that. And I was kind of trying to like emulate some of the stuff he was doing. And it was like 2007, I think I was living in an air force dormitory and I had nowhere to keep a moped, but I bought this Pinto in Florida and I was keeping it in my dorm room. And I remember like I had a buddy who would give me a heads up if the, if the like sergeants from the air force were going to come do a dorm inspection. Cause I had to like take my moped and like sneak it outside, you know, but it would be in my room. The whole room smelled like gas. And I was like, you know, fucking with it. I put a Corrado cylinder on it. And like I put a 12 bing on, drilled it out and did like the little buddy mod to like even out the idle. And I remember wanting a SEMO. Cause like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Harold was always talking about like, yo, you, you get a Corrado cylinder and pour it and put like a Shimonini on this thing. Like they rip. And I remember this was when Treats was still an eBay store, like before it became a separate website and they didn't have CMOS. And the only place that really had them that we were ordering from was 50cc.nl. I remember having to like fax an order form to them and like do a wire transfer to send them the money. And I was like, okay, cool. And it showed up like a month later. And at the time, like I didn't know anyone else in Florida that was into mopeds. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any like help with like welding the mount for this pipe. So I had a really like real wonky, like zip tie mount situation going on with this SEMO uh, on a Pinto. And like, I remember the first time going to a rally and I think it was a hell Satan's rally with that setup. And one of the Satan straight up looked at me and was like, are you serious with this zip tie mount on this pipe? And I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know uh, <laughs> what else to do. Like, I don't know anyone that can weld. And they were like, that looks ridiculous. I was like, yeah, yeah I know. Um, but yeah, more old guy talk, 50 cc.nl. I haven't been on there in quite a minute, um, but in, in a hot minute, but. No, nah, fifty fifty life is still like a. I feel like that's still like a sought after goal for some people. I know my buddy was trying to do it with his. He did it with his with the Hobbit, like you know, Stalker Hobbit fifty fifty. Like it's it's commendable. I know people doing it with Tomoses, and it's like I don't know. There's a lot to be said for like taking a shitty moped that only goes twenty five or thirty five miles an hour and making it go fifty with you know not doing more than just putting a pipe on it and like a bunch of like you know free mods. Yeah, and and there was a period in time, I couldn't say exactly when, like, I don't know, maybe it wasn't a period and it's happened a a bunch of times, but I remember some of the dudes who were doing, like, some of the 50-50 builds, they would do, like, their own, like, porting and go kind of wild on some stock cylinders, and then they would have them on the buy-sell later, and they would be charging, like, big money for these stock (laughs) cylinders that were, like, hand ported by a moped guru you know what i'm saying like that shit was always funny to me like you're just another motherfucker out in the back of your house in the shed like porting this thing and you want me to pay like triple because you're like a guru or some shit like come on now like using the phrase moped guru just makes me think of tomahawk mopeds and he's like oh the, the moped gurus the moped gurus and i'm like dude speak english dude do do this shit for the community get out of here man like fuck <laughs> I mean, not to name names here, Ryan Nash never had an issue with the dude, you know, no problems. But Ryan Nash is another one that's been funny to me because he's one of those dudes that, like, if he sells a bike, it's like a premium if he touched it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty much knowing that if I buy a moped and I put, like, $600 in parts into it, I'm not getting that out of it. you're going to lose it, You know, it's going to go down in value. But Nash is funny. He's one of those dudes who's like, Yes, I uh, hand assembled this, and all these parts have less than fifty miles, and I will take the full retail value for the build. And it's like I'm not giving you fifteen hundred bucks, motherfucker. Like, come on now. Yeah. It's like a I don't know. It just depends on like the the market, man. So moped pricings. We talked about it a lot on the show. It's like moped pricing is just like what you can get, dude. The market, like you know, says what it, what it, what it's really worth. You know, I remember the dude, some guy on Moped Army recently. I, he like went to the forums. It was like, Hey, I found this moped. I don't really know what it's worth. What do you guys think? It's mint. The guy I'm buying it from says it's mint condition. Like, 
it, it only has two miles on it from being pushed around in the warehouse or shed or shop or wherever the fuck it was at. And it was like mint, like legit, like it was a legit perfect condition Honda Hobbit, like like museum condition, like perfect, 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 perfect. And and he buys it, and then like a day or two later, he's just like posting it on the buy sell trade for like twenty one hundred dollars or twenty two hundred dollars or something, something insane. He got it for like seven hundred or eight hundred or something. Just something crazy. And everyone's like, uh, you're not going to get that here, man. Like, that's like something you put on eBay. Maybe you got to wait two, three years for someone to buy it. Like, you need the right guy. Maybe some museum will buy it or something. But, like, no one on my, I don't think anyone on my apartment is going to spend $2,100 on your stock, like, pristine bike, you know? Yeah, I, I'm always interested in the in the market on stuff. And I mean, maybe you can tell me. So I've been out of the country for two years and not paying as much attention. I used to try to stay up on like what was trending up and down as far as, uh, you know, the moped stock market is concerned. And when I left the States, derbies were like just rising and rising. And I feel like since I've been gone, they kind of peaked and are maybe now going down a little bit. What do you think have been the movers up and down in the last couple of years? Same as always, dude. Top tanks like draw like any new person who's never seen a moped. Like, oh, I want, well, if I'm going to get a moped, I want the motorcycle looking one. So instantly, top tanks are cost more. Derbies are still the fucking cream of the crop right now. Um, really modded out performance bikes no one wants to pay the price that the parts like with performance stuff. No one even wants to pay the price that the parts cost. Like, you know, regardless of your labor, if you try to tack that in there to your price too, like you're never going to get it. Um, and then there's just like, like dose is selling like just like rare imports for crazy money, you know, without, you know, stock, you know, as is. And, Ah, it's crazy, man. It's like New York's prices are always high. California's prices are high. Um, where where we live, it's kind of the same the same shit. Like you know, we're slow right now, but like you know, Richmond East Coast, it's like three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks is like a decent price. Like whatever, decent price. Like you can probably get six for a runner. With the top tank, you might be able to get eight. And and then there's like definitely still like randos who are like oh twelve hundred I want eleven hundred and like oh you probably never get it unless you find like the right guy. But then like New York, you know, you sell the same bike like for eleven hundred all day. That's crazy. Shit's weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're talking about the market in Richmond and Virginia. So let me give you this. You tell me true or false. Richmond has the most active moped riders per like population of any moped city. What do you think? Currently false. Like we used to kind of really be on it, dude. Like Spunk Squad was like all living here. Then a bunch of those dudes moved to New Orleans. Someone moved to moved to Philly. I mean, I'm in Baltimore. Like a bunch of their dudes. Some of their dudes moved like back to Virginia, so they kind of split around. The Satans, there's a bunch of Satans, but like those dudes aren't riding mopeds anymore. Like they got Pat's got mopeds. Like a couple of those dudes got mopeds, but they're not like riding them. They're not around. Um, 
you know, a couple rebels moved away. You know, we still got a couple guys in Black Black, but like not a lot of them riding. We got a lot of randos around. We, we're selling bikes, and like you know, randos are getting them, but we we haven't we're not retaining them. It's been like weird, you know. We we've kept two, three. We've kept three mopeders in the last year that we sold bikes to that are actually like actually sticking around. You, they show up to rides, they hang out, like they're on their group chat, they're active. And then we got another guy who just got a bike recently who's, like, just trying to get it tagged so we can, like, come out and ride with people. So, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's like anything else. Like, it comes in waves. It comes and goes, you know? But Yeah, it's interesting, like, the factors that, like, cause things to go the way they do. Because there's some metro areas in the United States that are, like, noteworthy, like, big cities that are total moped desert. Miami's a good example. Like, I met a few people that were down in Miami riding, but like for the size of that city, there's like two or three people that ride mopeds. And then you look at a city like Richmond where it's not the biggest city, but y'all have had like so much activity, multiple moped army gangs in the same city. And like, I could see one thing if it's New York or San Francisco or some shit, but we're talking about Richmond. Like it's not a huge city. Definitely for, for clubs, Richmond I'd say Richmond's the the number one in the in the country, like because when it was like all the clubs are still active here, you could say, but like not on the same scale. Like for a while, we had we had the Rebel Rousers, Smog Squad, Black Black, and Hell Satan's, all four official Moped Army Club branches in one city didn't make any sense right like and i feel like that's just like a weird thing of richmond like richmond's always kind of been clicky but like the way the clicks are they're still together like we've had bicycle clubs here where like the same shit like when the bicycle clubs were popping off it was like okay there's four or five bicycle clubs but when like the big events happen they're all there supporting up, oh, we've got a big scooter club and the scooter events coming but there's like a couple scooter clubs that live here and on mopeds there's a a bunch of moped clubs. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just a Richmond thing. It's weird. But like everyone's at the end of the yeah, day, everyone's still on the same team. Right. Yeah. I'm always intrigued when I, when I come into town and like, yeah, you guys have the scooter clubs going on. Just like all the different groups of people that kind of like intersect in that city, you know, like just like if you drew a Venn diagram of like, the punk kids and the fixie kids, maybe not so much anymore, but like moped kids and all that. Like Richmond has a bunch of different groups, like that move pretty strong from my outside, like observation. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Dude, let's, Um, let's, let's pop, let's pop around, dude. Let's pop. Oh man. I want to, I was like, I don't know if I want to get into the beans. I don't know if I want to get into like, you guys just like, uh, cheesecake adventures. Uh, I don't know where to go. Man. Let's see. So beans, beans, and some silly shit. Um. Okay. So the beans got themselves into some trouble at the 2009 New York um kind of an infamous rally for me, where um you know we we were there. I think maybe four or five of us. I was riding a Motron with a ported cylinder and the little pan pipe on it. And my boy Drew Bell from Lancaster, he will tell you the power is in the pan. He loves <laughs> the pan pipe on a stock V1 cylinder. 
So I was I was on the punched out ported cylinder V1, and I was just riding like a lunatic, like on the Saturday ride, like trying to stay with the front of the pack on this like 39 mile per hour bike by just like blowing red lights and shit. So I can see why people got the impression that I was like a reckless rider. But shit, I was like 21, whatever. I was kind of an idiot at the time. But long story short, we did the Saturday ride. And then Saturday night, we are... Oh, one more thing. Um, the Motron I was riding had a basket on the back, right? Mm-hmm. And Drew, Drew put a Moby bottom end in the basket. He put some stock cylinders. He put a bunch of junk in this basket. And I don't know where the thinking came from with this, but I think it was like some comedy skit that he had maybe seen where the, like the whole gist of the skit was like, somebody's talking to somebody and they're like, here, hold this really precious object. And the person like goes to take it from them and they drop it and smash it. And they're like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. And it was supposed to be like a funny, like troll thing. Mm -hmm. So Drew brings all this shit in the basket. And whenever we would come to like a stopping point, he would like pull the Moby bottom end out and like be showing it to people and like hand it to me and then just like pretend to drop it and be like, Oh no, like I fucked up this Moby bottom end. And everybody's like looking at us like, what the fuck are these idiots from Pennsylvania? Like dropping <laughs> cylinders on the ground and shit. He was just like, yeah, let me pull out a stock poop cylinder and just drop it on the ground. People are like, these guys are idiots. Like, and so we were kind of being stupid. We were young. There's a lot of like clapping at red lights, some abhorrent, abhorrent behavior that you just don't want to see at a rally now. Uh, but uh, no, Saturday night it. rally, well, you do want to see it because it's struggle behavior and it's amusing and you want to cringe at it, but it just blows me away that I was participating in it at the time. So like 2009 New York rally, like Saturday night party is upcoming. We're riding through Brooklyn to this party spot, like right before you get to the bar. And the road is like totally tore up some really huge potholes. And there was this person that came from Boston who wasn't like a moped person. They were just like hanging out with their friends and they borrowed a bike. They hit a huge pothole and we were in kind of a tight pack and they wiped out like right in front of me. And I like look left, look right. There's like nowhere for me to go. I was like, Oh shit, I guess I'm going to try to bunny hop this girl that like crashed in front of me. And I tried to like bunny hop her bike. It didn't go well. You know, I went over the bars, broke my collarbone and I'm like sitting on the street. I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. People are like, dude, your collarbone's like poking out of your shirt and shit. You're not fine. I was like, Oh fuck. And I, um, <clears throat> I had to like take a taxi to the emergency room. I remember that. And they're like, couldn't get to me. They were too busy. And I was like, look, I gotta go. I gotta go home. And they're like, okay, well, you got to come back. I was like, well, I live in Florida. I'm in the military. Like, I'll have them fix it. They're like, how are you getting back to Florida? I was like, I'm flying in a plane. They're like, well, your collarbone broke in such a way that, like, the fragmented part of the bone is really close to puncture your lung. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, like, they're like, you'll probably be fine, but you probably shouldn't fly back. I was like, eh, whatever. And, you know, after that rally, during the branch reviews on Moped Army, there was a lot of negative beans chatter. <laughs> like, these fucking guys, like, they were throwing cylinders on the ground for no reason, okay? One of them was riding like an asshole and crashed, and I had to come in and be like, look, 
The crash wasn't really my fault. I don't know why we were throwing the cylinders. And then at one point, I brought up Sparks, the energy drink slash alcohol combo before they removed the energy portion. And I was like, look, I was really wired on Sparks at one point in the rally. I apologize. And they're like, I think it was some dude from one of the West Coast gangs was like, don't pull that bullshit. They already took the caffeine out of Sparks. So don't try to blame Sparks for all of this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I'm not trying to blame Sparks for all of this. I'm just saying it was a, I shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake, yada, yada. But what is crazy about that, not crazy, but I went back to a New York rally like five years later, right? And they take us to that same bar where uh, I ran over this. The other part is I ran over the girl's head. She was wearing a helmet. <laughs> but I ran over her head uh, when sorry, she wiped out. I'm sorry. No, no, everybody was laughing. They're like, bro, you ran over her head. And I'm like, okay, well, she was fine. She's wearing a helmet. I broke my collarbone. Like, you know, the helmet did its job. But um, everybody was like, yo, Steve ran over somebody's head. He was trying to kill her. I was like, listen, <laughs> come on now. But she was totally fine. She went back to Boston unscathed. I broke my collarbone. But anyways, we go in the bar at the rally, like four or five years later, I'm ordering a drink. They have a mantle behind the bar, like a shelf with all these trinkets. One of the stock pook cylinders from my basket is sitting on the mantle in this bar. I'm like, what's that doing up there? They're like, Oh, some guy like crashed his moped in front of the bar one time and all of his shit scattered everywhere. And we just brought it in here and like put one of them up on the shelf. I'm like, Oh, yeah, that, that was me. That, that's, that was my shit that was scattered all over the street in Brooklyn. And they were like, oh, oh, you were that idiot. I was like, yeah, that was me. That's but, awesome. Um, Dude, um, so two things. Uh, one is before I was like, man, like, I'm, I'm going to look some stuff up. I'm going to put on about Steve. Just look, look for any random things I could bring up that like I thought might happen. And I was like, okay, well, Drew Bell's name came up. And Drew Bell's like a pretty, like, you know, he was a pretty big part of, like, Pennsylvania mopedding, I guess, back in the day. Yeah. For sure. And um, and he made this one post. I can't remember what thread it was from or whatever, but but he wrote, um, Steve Brown ultimately got all of Lancaster into mopeds, and Nick Amos was the vessel. Like, what, what, are, your okay. th- what, are, your, what are your thoughts about just, like, about essentially being the guy that brought mopeds to Lancaster? If that's what he's saying, was saying like you were the man. That's high praise from Drew. So basically what happened is when I was a when I was riding as a teenager, my boy Nick Amos, who still lives in Lancaster area, he was like my riding buddy, like sixteen, seventeen. Like I used to go over to his house in the morning before school and like come in his bedroom and wake him up. Be like, let's fucking go. We're riding mopeds in school. He goes, no, I'm fucking skipping today. Whatever I do. All right, fine. I'm riding by myself. But like, he was the dude who kind of got me into mopeds because his grandpa gave him a track when he was like 14. And then he ended up with like a shed full of mopeds. And he used to like try to get me to ride. And I'd be like, ah, mopeds, they're stupid. Like that's, that's not fun. And like, then I got on one and I was like, Oh, cool. Like this is, pretty damn fun. So we started riding to high school all the time. And then when I moved away and like joined the air force, Nick moved from where we grew up, like 45 minutes away to Lancaster. And so he kind of took mopeds there. 
and people were getting into it. Like he met Drew in college. Like they went to Penn Tech, like college together, and they started like meeting people around Lancaster. And so I would say Nick almost brought Lopez to Lancaster more so than me, but I guess I kind of brought some enthusiasm because at that time, like my fucking obsession and enthusiasm was pretty high. So I was like pushing a lot of things, but mm-hmm. um, that's high, that's high praise from Drew. Honestly, I think Nick deserves more credit than I do. Um, Nick still has mopeds, still rides here and there. Um, I remember one time I brought Nick with me. Uh, do you remember Nick? Have you met him? I probably know if I saw him kind of thing. Like I'm really yeah, bad with, I'm good with faces. He yeah. hasn't been super active. Right. I remember one year I brought him to um, the Richmond, what was it? The barter, the buy trade sell thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The swap meet, yeah. But the swap meet. Either the, well, maybe the first or second one you guys did, Nick had been like riding around the U.S. on his dual sport, and then he got to Florida, and he his bike was getting kind of raggedy. He was kind of tired. I was like, dude, I'm going to Richmond to the swap meet put your dual sport in my truck and just ride up to Richmond with me and then you'll be closer to home. And so he came with me to the, to the, um, to buy the swap meet and had a good time. But dude, yeah, man. Um, I, I remember your fucking truck and like, dude and the fucking, I'm sorry to, to, to cut you off, but I was like, you just mentioned your truck, maybe think about your truck and that like DVD player mod you had. Listen, yeah. so my boy Tyler Christmas, um, by the way, he I don't know if we have any other guys, but he's one of our car audio experts in um, in Black Black. He used to work at a shop in South Carolina, like putting in TV screens and shit into like all sorts of crazy cars. But Tyler hooked me up, put in that head unit in my little Ford Ranger. And, you know, a lot of people have seen those TV screen head units with like a four or five inch like flip up screen or whatever. My fucking, you saw my shit. It was the tiniest screen imaginable. <laughs> it's like, it's like a regular head unit face with a tiny little screen in it, but it would play DVDs and shit. And so when I would go to rallies and do like a 10, 12 hour road trip, I would just pop in movies that I'd seen like a hundred times and basically just like look at the, like listen to the dialogue while I'm driving. Like I got like blue streak on and I'm like driving and like, oh shit, this is the part where he tells him he's going to whip his, his tongue out and lick his asshole with it. Like, oh, I love this shit. Like, trying not to actually watch the movie while I'm driving because I know how dangerous that is, but just like, you know, listening to the dialogue. Um, I lost that shit, man. My first day of work in Atlanta, working at College Park Elementary in College Park, Georgia, just south of, it, of Atlanta, I'm like in my classroom, like setting up. And somebody's like yelling, like, Hey, they're breaking in the cars out there. And I like look out the window and there's somebody has a crowbar, like prying open the door of this Mercedes. And then somebody else is breaking into my Ranger. I'm like, what the hell are you trying? So I went out there and like, they had taken the head unit. I was like, man, what made y'all go for the Ranger? I could see the Mercedes, but that Ranger was fucked up. But yeah, yeah apparently my school district got hit with like a string of like car theft and break-ins like the first day of school. <laughs> and yeah, I, I fell victim to that. I feel like that's such like a Bobo fucking crime these days. It's like, yo dude, like 
you're, you're trying to steal this, this cheap ass car radio that you can barely resell. What are you, what are you going to get out of this, bro? Like, who are you going to sell that to? How much are you yeah. going to actually get for it? Five bucks? I'm not buying your fucking shitty, exactly. some shitty radio out of some car, dude, randomly. Like, technology's here. It's yeah. now. The future's now, bro. Like, what are you doing? I want that radio. I know, right? Like, you go to a pawn shop, you're getting five bucks, if that, for, like, some old head unit you took out of a car. Like, that, that, you're right. As time has evolved, like, what do you think is the type of theft that has replaced, like, car audio theft? Maybe, like, cell phone theft? Yeah, that's uh, grand larceny right there. That's a step up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not really a thing anymore, but I remember that definitely uh, being a big thing in the past. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's... Wait, so you, you're asking about my truck. How is your van doing? Oh, still kicking, You still have man. your van? Yeah, I still got it. Like... Black black van, dude. It's gone. It's gone all over the country, dude. I've taken it to Denver a couple times, New Orleans a bunch of times. Like mopeds go in it. Like I get there, I can sleep in the back. I got an air mattress that fits just the size of the back of the van. So like you blow it up, you got a nice cushy bed. It's great. It, uh, I think the most we've ever had in it for a rally was eight people. Like all the way, all the way to Denver, eight people in a van with a with a. Fucking six by twelve trailer with like thirteen mopeds or something. So what kind of gas mileage do you get out of that van unloaded, just like you driving it? Shit, T boy. Like I can't wait. I think I'm, I told my girl I'm going. I'm buying a new car. Like maybe two years from now. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna grind it out. I'm gonna, you know, keep just keep my head to the plow and pay some debt and like you know be responsible. But like two years, I'm, I'm trying to buy a new car because that bitch. I'm getting like 13. So it's like, and it's like, it's like, I don't want anything. Okay. It's like, I still want something big. I want something I can put stuff inside of, and I want something I can like toast stuff. So I'll probably end up getting like a forerunner or something. So I'm still probably only going to get like 20 miles a gallon when I upgrade to something, but that's a big deal from going from like 13 to like 20. I think, you know, I feel like I'd feel, I know I'd be a noticeable difference, you know, but fully loaded with yeah, a bunch of people sure. and, cars and trailers and bikes and probably 12 miles a gallon 11 miles a gallon or something um not too great but it's all right it's still trips yeah, are still really cheap and all yeah i mean when you have a bunch of people to split it it, it works out well and i can see because you I mean you're always trying to get richmond people to fill spots in there i I don't know. I asked because, you know, when Rainy and I get back from Kyrgyzstan, we're, we're going to bounce back and forth between Atlanta and Pennsylvania for a few months. And then we're planning on doing like a few months, like in a van, kind of like traveling around the U.S., like to like stop in and like reconnect with everybody we mm-hmm. haven't seen for a couple of years. So I've been deep in the van market lately, like trying to figure out, like, do I get like, you know, a conversion van type setup, like you said, put an air mattress in the back and just do it like that. Or do I get a pickup truck and do like the slide in camper? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to balance like gas mileage and like city stealth capabilities. Like when you want to sleep in the middle of a city and like not have somebody like know what you're up to, you know? Yeah. So, um, um, I know Thomas, I, I don't know. We're lo- looking, looking at Thomas cause he just came up on like a really nice van. He traded a Harley for for this he was trying to sell a harley he bought that he to trying to flip and then he came across this guy who had a who had a really nice van and he just traded the harley straight up for this van 
And it's like, it's a little older than mine, but it's like perfect condition on the inside. Like wood paneling, like, like that burgundy, like velvet looking like inside fucking carpet shit, like powered, Uh powered bed in the back. Um, the captain chairs in the middle swivel around so you can face backwards. Like it's really nice, man. And like I'm sure he is just keeping it until he sells it, kind of thing. I'm kind of one direction I've been thinking about going, and I know some other moped folks have, are either on this path or already have one. But like, kind of like the small cargo vans, like the Ford Transits with the four cylinder. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the gas mileage is in the twenties with that little liter but the transmissions are notoriously bad on those but i was thinking about maybe getting one of those with low enough miles just to like do this trip that we're trying to do because i know like it'll be good on gas and then maybe selling it afterwards yeah. but those are kind of cool because like you know the roof is high enough that you can push like a full-size motorcycle up in there without having to like take the bars off or anything true 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 yeah so, i might go that direction um so we did bring, we brought Tyler up when we talked about the radios. So that kind of like leads me to talk about Tyler for a second. So, um, Tyler Xmas, Tyler Christmas, uh, is in black, black. He's been around for a long time. He's, you know, lived in Atlanta, hung out with smog. I mean, I'm with, uh, the swoops and I think he's back in New York or he's back in New York right now. He went to New York and he came back to, to, to Atlanta. And then I think he went back to New York again. I think that's where he's at. Yeah, he's um he's up in New York right now, and then he's going back to Atlanta soon. Tyler, man, Tyler goes way back. You know, Tyler's from South Carolina, so he knew Charlie Buzzard growing up. Shout out Charlie Buzzard. I miss that motherfucker right there. I hope he oh, listens dude. to this. Charlie's a fucking like character. That, He'll definitely listen to this. Yeah, Charlie, if I've been on his Instagram feed, he's like on some work trip in Chicago right now. He's just been on some fucking fancy tour, like fancy food tour kick. Oh shit. Yo. We just lost Steve Brown, guys. At three minutes and four seconds in. That's crazy, because we were really in it. Like and I was trying to work my way to to an ending to kind of wrap it up because I, I know three hours is pretty long. I might even split this in half. Um we'll see what's up. Let me let me message him real quick. I'll call homie. Dude, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um I don't know. Maybe I'll cut this out. Spice back together. Not there we go. Cool. Bam, my guy, you're back in it. Hey man, the fact that we made it three hours on right? the Bobo connection, uh, right? I am out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, shout, I'm pretty impressed. Shout out to fucking uh to to Google 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 Call or whatever Google Voice. Yeah, I'm I'm a big supporter of Google Voice. It's working for me out here in Kyrgyzstan, but you know the Wi-Fi is so bad. We're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm glad that it dropped though. And we just started the call again because for some weird reason, it's like the longer the call goes, it starts to like lose power and get kind of glitchy. But then yeah. when you start to call over again, it's like fresh again. Now I hear Perfect. you like you sound a lot better. Yeah. yeah. I, I was kind of noticing that like there were a couple of parts where you would like 
cut out like a couple words you were saying, but but it was still like understandable enough that I didn't need you to repeat it. Like you could still pick up on exactly what was going on. But yeah, so Tyler, right. dude. Um, oh, and Charlie. Charlie's on some crazy shit in Chicago, some work trip, and he's on some like crazy like fancy food kick right now, like hitting all these spots. And I'm like posting all these videos. I'm like, yo, what is going on right now? Was that some spot? And they were like pouring fire on this like cake looking thing. They're like pulling blue flame out of a bowl and dripping it onto this like cake looking thing. And it was like searing it. I'm like, yo, what is going on right now? Is this some fucking s'more cake or something you're eating right now, bro? And he's like, oh, bro, that's the, uh, I don't even know what they call it, man. Some, I, I knew it yesterday, but some crazy, like fancy, it's like ice cream and brownie and, uh, meringue. And then they sear it. They, they like char it with like fire and it's crazy. Some crazy dessert. I don't know. That that's You boys a foodie now, man. I know, dude. I'm just like going out of left field, like makes it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but like, dude, Charlie's awesome. He's a he's a rad dude. He's been on the show a bunch of times and he's killing rallies for years and trick shot king. And like he's he's always in the weird hobbies, fingerboard master, like <laughs> You know, yeah, he's he's in a lot of the same wheelhouses as me, and the the thing with that is, is like sometimes you meet somebody that's so similar to you, you're kind of like, I don't know if I can be friends with you because we're going to be in like constant competition. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And if if you're talking bullshit on something, I'm gonna know right away that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But, but he's Charlie real. and I feel like are on, he's real, and he and I are on the same wavelength and know what time it is. So yeah. like, you yeah. know, I, I fuck with Charlie. It's Dude. funny. I was talking to Seth K recently about how people have progressed over their time in the moped hobby, like how we've seen people change. Mm-hmm. Charlie, Charlie is the best version of himself himself ever right now. Like he's at his oh, he's yeah. peaking. Okay, so, but you know, I met Charlie at a time when I was in the military. I had a crew cut. I was a cornball motherfucker, and Charlie was showing up to the first Wilmington rally wearing sandals and a bright polo <laughs> shirt and khaki shorts and shit. I've and I'm like, pictures. who is this motherfucker? Yeah. Charlie with no, with no facial hair, just like young as can be. <laughs> oh, but he did look good. And we hit it off right away. When we were talking, I was like, he's like, what are you riding? I'm like, I'm on that maxi with the Polini. And he's like, oh shit, I'm running this setup. Um, I remember that was the the rally where Britain Bees had been going off on Moped Army about how you can do a 60 mile per hour 15 Bing setup with a Polini. And he like came out with the trellis frame bike and we were out like ripping on those North Carolina roads. And I'm like talking to Charlie. I'm like, I don't think that motherfucker really does 60. And he's like, I don't know, bro. Like, and we're out there and let's just say, I mean, all respect to Britain Bees, but he got blasted at that rally. I mean, Chad yeah. Burke was blasting him on the Negrini <laughs> and shit. So the, dude, the truth came out. That okay? Negrini's been around for years, dude. <laughs> yeah, that Negrini was ripping really hard. I mean, it, it had, you know, it got a little tired over the years, but it was it was ripping at that rally. Dude, I Dude, I really miss Wilmington and stuff. Like, oh, man. That was one of my favorite rallies, but I don't. I don't want to get super distracted because because then we'll just go on a tangent about Wilmington and North Carolina and White Line Riders and like if you guys weren't around, yeah, we, you, guys blew it. you you guys just weren't here. Sorry, you missed out. Yeah, we don't want to do too much because we're like we've been talking for multiple hours. We could talk all day. Honestly, oh, it could keep like, going. I don't think it could keep going for sure. Yeah, 
So that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna bang out a couple things that I really wanted to get into, and see if I can like bring this to a close in the next twenty. Um, so Tyler Christmas, like um, we talked about him. He's in the, in our club. You do, you guys are really close. You've done a lot together, and um, so I so I so I hit him up to ask him like you know something that I should ask you about because I'm like I knew he might know some dirt or something funny that we could get into that we might we might have missed. And with that, um, he told me to ask you about your rap career, and um, and you know tell him that I got I got the inside scoop on something about a cassette tape you came out with back in the day. And you know, I kind of want to. And I wanted. And we, and we, and, uh, we wanted to know what tracks you had on the on the cassette. Oh my god! Um, so yeah. So first off, are you familiar with Narwar? No. So he's this Canadian uh, radio host who does really in depth interviews with like musical artists, mostly like hip hop folks and stuff. I, and his like key and claim to fame is that he digs up like really obscure facts and details from like childhood friends. Like, Oh, I heard your best friend in third grade was Mike. And they're like, how the fuck did you know that? Like, 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 not on Google anywhere. Is this like, dude, he does like they're on YouTube. Like they're current. Like he's still doing it now. Like it's like, a yeah, YouTube he's still thing? doing it now. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen him. I, I watched this one. He did with boozy. Yeah, so when you came at me with the like, hey, I asked Tyler for some back, I was like, yo, this guy is not wanting me right now. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I did, um, when I was like, I want to say 99, I recorded a cassette of rap that I, like, I wrote lyrics over the summer when I was staying with my grandma and I was really bored because she only had like two channels and I didn't want to watch like, soap operas all day so i'm like all right i'm gonna write some lyrics and like uh i went and recorded this cassette and it was mostly just some very uh inappropriate insensitive like diss tracks on my classmate (laughs) um for so for example it's like a girl who i thought didn't smell good and so i had a track that was like give give Amy a bath or something, something like that. Give me a bath was one of the tracks. Um, there was this weird redneck kid that we went to school with who was always talking about squirrel hunting. And I had a diss track for him. It was called squirrel hunting. Um, <laughs> what else was on there? It was basically, I mean, when I was a kid listening to rap and like listening to Tupac and the whole tirade that he goes on and hit him up, that was like, my ideal inspiration for a diss track, the way he is just going in on everybody, like, fuck you, you fat motherfucker. Like his energy, that was like, all right, I'm 11 years old. Let me record a cassette tape of, I have no real problems in life like Tupac does, but I'm gonna get as angry as I can possibly get and record this shit. And it was horrible, absolutely horrible. I still have, I still have the like, the sleeve and the holder to it. But, you know, I posted it on my Instagram maybe like five years ago and Sean and Alex from Richmond, all these people were like, yo, like put it on SoundCloud. And I got really nervous. I was like, I don't want this out in the world. And 
I got really like turned up one night and I was looking at it. I was like, I can't let this out of my hand. And I destroyed the tape. I kept the case, but I destroyed the tape. <laughs> That's awesome. I felt the same so, way. We, no longer, we put out that stupid cover song of the, uh, that old town road, but the moped version. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to put this out, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was too much. I couldn't let it get into the wrong hands. But, you know, I still have the... I, I can't remember if I took that off of my, my Instagram or not. But, yeah, I got some heavy traffic on that one. That's funny that he brought that up. I've been talking to Tyler because, uh, you know, October 26th is the True Grits 50cc fun run in such as Georgia, my favorite 50-50 event in the United States. Yeah, but Tyler nice can't go. Yeah, it's an awesome ride. And Tyler can't go this year, so I'm flying into New York City on October 26th back from Russia, and Tyler is picking me up at the airport, and I am very stoked to see him. Yeah, well, um, yeah, check this one second. Check this. All right. This is a message for Steve Brown. Can't wait for you to be home, bud. It's been two years. Uh, get to pick you up from the airport. The end of the month. Can't wait for you to be home, man. Bye. A little uh, love you from uh, from Tyler. Oh, he's gonna make me cry. He's so sentimental, man. You know, he he's a good dude. Tyler and I, you know, I can tell you, he's from South Carolina. He goes way back with the buzzards. And then I met Tyler in Orlando when he was working for Disney, being like the person who like shows around like special parties to like Disney when they close off the park and shit. And I met him and started riding with him in Orlando. And then, you know, we've been tight ever since then we became roommates in Atlanta. So, uh, he's a solid dude. hundred percent. And, uh, you're the reason he got in black, black man. Like you, you brought him in the fold. Yeah. And I know there's been talk here and there of like, Oh, is he, was he going to join the swoops? Whatever. I mean, let's not, let's be real. I mean, there were some people that really uh, wanted him to go swoop, but I think Tyler recognizes what we got in black, black, you know, the swoops are awesome. I love the swoops, but uh, Tyler, Tyler is a very adventurous dude. He wants to ride all over the country and do all sorts of stuff. And when it comes, you know, pound for pound, I just feel like our club has more people that are just out in the world, like traveling and doing cool shit. And I think that's kind of what sold him on black, black. I mean, we just got some, some dudes who are really doing shit. Venture club. CD rally. Adventure club. Exactly. Adventure club. Wet, wet 2020. Wet, wet 2020 with the dual jet ski base gasket logo. Yeah, the, I mean, fucking, the fucking CD uh, base gasket fucking logo. Oh my God, I'm dying, dude. Cubby's killing me right now. The one he posted today with the fucking, uh, with, with the dolphin jumping over the double gasket. <laughs> that shit, yeah. I saw that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, he is really, like you said, you said the other day, he is killing it in all regards right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, Kobe, you lead the way, dude. I'm following. <laughs> you, you, you take the reins, bro. I'm with you. God, I'm glad he got patched in this year. That's cool. Yeah, I love his enthusiasm. He is just like a unique mix of individual of like all the shit that he's into. Like, I 
I don't know anybody else that is into the combination of shit that he's into. I'm I like, he's oh, just kind dude. of a one of a kind dude. Like, dude, here, I'm here, pretty pumped on here's, him. A, like, here's I a breakdown for you guys who don't, who don't know our boy Cuppy. Cuppy was in the army, gun enthusiast, rides mopeds, has um, multicolored dreadlock hair, braided, super wrestling fan, um, practices with a whip. Like who, who? I don't know anyone else who's out in the field practicing with a with a whip. Um, does art weird like uh like like knockoff like Simpson cartoon stuff, and he's just fucking a, a rad dude and super nice. And he's like in the heavy music and like he's super creative, like crazy person, super nice, awesome, awesome, awesome person. Copy the his bat. fucking cartoon characters and avatars and his art that he does, dude. Oh my god, it's so tight. Yeah. Um, I forgot that we had the military connection too. What is it? Mm-hmm. Me, him, Vince. Who else in our club has the military connection? Is that it? I think so. Yeah. And then he that probably, wasn't something he, that I was. He would have went back too. That? He said he would have went back too, but he um he got like he got hit by a car and uh. And got like got all got all fucked up. Like his like he had to get like oh man he got fucked up pretty bad when he got hit by a car and like he got discharged. He wouldn't let him go back in because he was like in reserves or something. He was trying to get go back to active or some shit. And after his injuries, like they they discharged him. That's crazy. He and I have some similar stories because I got hit in a hit and run accident in Orlando when I was in the Air Force and like. I couldn't re-enlist because I lost my kneecap. And when they were like, you can't stay in the air force missing a kneecap, like you can't run anymore. And I was like, Oh yeah. So I was probably, I was going to get out anyway. I wasn't super big on military life, but uh, we both had like big accidents that kind of forced us out of the military. I did not know that about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I'm gonna hit you with the, I got two more voicemails for you. And while that's going, did did you ever do? Did you have black black grills? I do have a black black grill, and I actually have it with me in Kyrgyzstan. Um, it's not the best quality. I went to uh, well, you know, I don't want to talk too much shit. I'm not <laughs> going to say who I went to in uh, Little Five Points in Atlanta to get this grill, but. Yeah, it's, you know, it's okay. Um, it's, you know, a six, six piece front, be okay, be okay. Um, I originally was going to do some shit with like some princess cuts and I didn't cause I was skimping and I got some cheap shit <laughs> and then I posted about it and I was like super high and I posted something about princess cut. And I remember Charlie buzzard, my man, was on me to set me straight. Like, yo, that shit you got doesn't have princess cuts. I was like, you're right. I know. I was fucking. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I was gonna. She, she, what had happened was I was gonna get it, and then you know, and then I, I was low on money and this and that. And I was like, damn. Dude. I need Charlie here to set me straight. It was funny. I was just way too high and talking out my ass. But and you and Charlie. Yes, I have a black black grill. <laughs> like no other, no other person in the Muppet Army has a grill of the Muppet Club for sure. No one's ripping their set with their teeth. Yeah. Um, Sean posted it. I think it ended up on our Instagram at one point. I, I wondered if anyone else had done it yet, but yeah, I still got it. I'll break it out. I'll bring it to a couple rallies. Um, I need oh, to yeah. clean that shit. It's looking, 
yeah. For a, dude, for a, for a minute, I wanted to get us like all like matching rings, like some weird like black like something and other, you know. But I, I just I, I never did it. I never did it. Anyway, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit this real quick. All right, here we go. Yo, Steve. This is Josh. Sitting in the Cheesecake Factory, sucking down some Korean fried cauliflower. Um, plan on be doing this with you in uh, less than two weeks. So uh, have a safe trip home. I'll see you then. Bye bye. Some love from uh, Josh Black Black. Unreal. You have fully Nardward me in this interview. Anyone that knows Nardward's interviews knows, and that's the, I mean, I'm, I say that in the best way possible. This has been pretty tight. Um, well, I want you like, Josh, to really feel the love. Like, everyone here, like, misses you a ton, and, like, you know, you're, you're always, you've always been a cool dude, and I wanted everyone to, like, get to know you, and I feel like we've, we've definitely done that, like, with the stories, and, and then I wanted, you know, you to feel like, you know, we want you back, bro. I appreciate that because, you know, sometimes, like I said, I lament the fact that me and Josh and certain other folks, we spend so much time dipping out of rallies early that there's a lot of people in the club that I haven't gotten to spend a lot of like one-on-one time with and that don't really know me as well as I would like them to and vice versa. So um, I do, I do appreciate that. I'm really looking forward to seeing Josh. Josh is coming to the Amtrak station in Lancaster when my train comes in on the 26th. He's just like been supportive the whole time I've been overseas. And like Josh and I have had a lot of fun on Mopez together um, at rallies. I was talking to Seth K, another, I've mentioned Seth K several times in this message. Seth K is the man. Uh, if you don't know Seth K, he recently came over to Black Black from Hot and Ready's. Uh, he's been in the Mopez forever, just a cool dude out in the Bay Area. And um, he's he and I like leave voice messages for each other back and forth all the time, like catching up. And we were talking about rally stuff. And I was telling him the story about me and Josh at the Kilohertz rally in Boston in 2010 and how they tried to do this gimmick during the main ride where they like took us onto a roundabout. But instead of like exiting the roundabout after around. our turn, <laughs> Yeah, they kept going around and around and around. And I look over at Josh and I'm like, are they fucking kidding? Like, we're not going to just keep going in a circle here. (laughs) So Josh looks at me and we're like, all right, we're out of here. So like the next exit that pops up, we just dip out and the whole pack just like followed us. And the kilohertz were like, oh shit, like the ride's off course. And they had to like get to the front of the pack and like stop everyone at this pier. And they're like, what happened? Like, we're just not the way we're supposed to go. And me and Josh are just like giggling and shit off to the side, like these motherfuckers. I love that shit more than anything, bro. Like, so we, I have this like ride that we do in Richmond. We don't do it a lot. Like, we've rarely done it to be honest. Like, but it's like, okay, cool. Here's the moped money ride. We're gonna go for a ride. And oh, who's who's playing the route tonight? Oh, who's leading? Like, no, no, no. T- tonight's ride is fucking like leader, leader. Just follow the leader, bro. You you don't like the direction we're going. Get to the front and make a turn, and everyone's gonna follow you. Like, and that shit can definitely happen at any moped rally at any given time. Like, all you have to do is start the bikes first and take off, and people will follow you. Yeah, 
Exactly. And then like, once that happens, most of the time, somebody from the other club kind of freaks out and tries to get to the front. But I love it when they kind of just let it happen and it just like develops on its own. That shit can be pretty fun. Definitely. Um, so now speaking of voicemails, um, God, uh, now you're going to have me think about that Nard dude forever. Uh, <laughs> but now, I'm sorry. You know uh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but now, like, speaking of voicemails, um, I asked, like, Sean, who's, like, the dude who got, he got a lot of, like, pretty much everyone on the East Coast who's black, black is in the club because of Sean. Like, he came out here from Tidver and opened a moped shop and, you know, he prospected me, he prospected Vince, um, because of me and Vince, we got Noah and and Cuppy and Nigel and and fucking Jordan. Um, he he um he patched over fucking leftover beans. You know there were some some left in the bowl. Someone didn't eat the whole meal. The beans that were still fresh, the ones yeah. in the fresh beans. You know. <laughs> um, he brought in he brought in the ball tards that were that were surviving from you know from the remnants of that club, and that's kind of how the whole East Coast thing. And then Tyler came in through through fucking Steve, and that's how our like East Coast side of our club came to be because of Sean. But so I asked Sean to you know send me a little message for you too, and 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 then and then one thing he did say was that um what is it. Like you sent him a voicemail one time that like really like boosted his spirits. I know you were talking about sending voicemails and like, you know, this is like has nothing to do with mopeds, but just like for those who like, you know, you got friends, you keep your friends tight. Like I make that problem a lot because I'm so busy that I don't keep in touch with people. And, you know, just like think about that sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes you might want to just like send your homie like a voicemail or like a message just like out of the blue. Just, you know, let him know you're still thinking about him. But um, here's a little recording I have from Sean. I want to know where I can get a warm and fuzzy bath. That's it. I don't know what it meant or what he was trying to say, but I don't know. You guys have some okay, connection so, about a warm and fuzzy, bro? So three. So three things. Numbers one and two in relation to the voice. So, yeah, you know, that's one thing. I'm kind of an old school cat in that, like, I I don't know. I'm kind of losing some of my interest in social media, and I really like to, like, reach out to my friends one-on-one. But I feel like, you know, a lot of times we'd be liking stuff on social media, and we feel like, oh, our friends know that we're liking their shit. But a lot of times you don't really notice, like, which of your friends are really paying attention to you. But when you, like, send someone a voicemail, you're really letting them know, like, hey, I'm thinking of you, whatever. And also, I'm slow as hell typing. So, yeah, I like to hit up people and just leave them voicemails. And I appreciate Sean's voice message here. He is referring to someone in mopeds. I'm not going to give too many details, but it's an older gentleman that is in a moped army club that is now retired, who told us about a concoction that involves alcohol and like clonopin and several other pills and how when you're not feeling good, you just mix all this stuff together and it's called a warm and fuzzy. And I haven't thought about that that term, the warm and fuzzy, in probably like three years. So appreciate Sean bringing that back into my headspace. 
Oh yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah, dude. I mean. Oh, yeah, that's what that is. You want no idea, man? Um. Dude, we've gone on pretty long, dude. It's like three and a half hours. Like I just hit the three and a half hour mark on the clock. I got twenty minutes left on the fucking SD card. <laughs> um. So how much of this are you cutting? Huh? Oh, I don't edit, bro. I don't. I don't cut it out. I'm gonna let it rock. What? Yeah, we 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 always let it rock. We we go an hour sometimes. Sometimes we go two hours. I think our longest so far that we've really done has been like two hours. <laughs> but I might I might split so this. this. I might split it in half and do a part one, part two, and just cut it just to cut it in half to make it easier to digest for someone. Like you know, okay. Su- like surprise post tomorrow or Sunday, and then and then post the second part Monday, and then. Okay, I was gonna say because that four hours might not be palatable for some folks, and I was in here saying some stupid shit, thinking I'm oh, just gonna cut this out later. I'm no, good to dude, go. you we, know what I'm saying? Don't cut so anything, I- dude. I we I love the randomness, and I love like rants, and I love like side tangents, and like it's just like. The the thing about this is like I don't I never want like we tried to make it more structured we try to go like Q and A and like it makes it so unnatural feeling to me I'd rather just be like a conversation like you're really just like in the room listening to us have a talk that we would have if we were hanging out together you know exactly um so well yeah shit. So, I'm, I'm, I'm I gotta say, I am getting a little, I am getting a little weary here at the end. I need a drink of water. I'm trailing <laughs> off. I can't focus. I know you've been working all night, and it's like, what time is it there now? Uh, Alexa, what time is it? Alexa, what time is it? It's six twenty-six a.m. Okay. Have a great weekend. Get out of here. <laughs> Shit. So it's four twenty-six p.m. here. I know Rainy is like, how long is this motherfucker going to talk on the phone in the other room? What is she doing? Like, she's waiting on me. She wants to like go to the market and get some shit. She's probably yeah, like, I ruined lunchtime and everything. Like, uh. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. One thing that I totally forgot. We just talked about the warm and fuzzy and Sean. I didn't really touch on Sean. I'm going to be really brief, but I love Sean. And I look at Sean and you talked about him bringing in everyone on the East Coast into the fold. To me, I know Sean is a big cinema person. He loves movies. So I'm going to go ahead and say, Sean is like the godfather to me. He's the fucking Marlon Brando of East Coast Black Black. That motherfucker was controlling everything, bringing everyone in the mix. I look up him, like I looked up to him and still do, and I can't wait to see him. He is another one of our friends who, like, I don't know anyone else who's like the combination of things that he is. Like, he's just an interesting dude. Oh, yeah. That he is, man. All right. Well, yeah. let's wrap it up. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Money Podcast. Um, thank you, Steve Brown, for being on the show and hanging out. Like, I can't wait to have you back. Um, next year, wet wet twenty twenty, we're gonna fucking kill it with the jet ski rally. Um, and this is episode fifty. So as always, every ten episodes we do a raffle, and we try to like uh have a, a prize and everything for everyone. So, man, I can't remember, like, something. I was gonna think of something good that we could, like, you know, use for a code word. Because I, cause I'm always like, oh, yeah, like, email us with this code word for your, um, 
you know, for the, to enter into the raffle. So how about you just, uh, you pick one, man. You, did you have a rap name? Should we use that? Oh, a rap name. God damn. No, I did a kind of a self-titled um, EP when I did my shit. So what was uh, the, I'm, I'm looking around the room that I'm in right now, and I'm just the first thing that caught my eye is I have a pile of fake Rolexes that I bought here in Kyrgyzstan. You know, there's no copyright laws here, mm-hmm. so I just buy these little fake Rolex. So I'm just going to hand them out to people when I get back to the States. Like, here, you want a fake Rolex? Boom, it's $5. <laughs> Enjoy it. So the code word, I think, should be Rolex. All right, cool. Well, that's from Steve. Code words, Rolex. We're not going to say it again. Uh, you made it to the end of the episode. Congratulations. At least you made it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and this week we we are friends over at Dose Cycles, which is uh, one of the top, you know, moped like stores right now. Like they're really killing the game. They're importing awesome sick bikes that everyone fucking wants. And they they, you know, went out of their way. Like we we hit them up and they obliged and fucking hooked us up for the raffle this week. So we have two gift cards to dose. So, you know, hit us up and just email us at mopedmoneypodcast at gmail.com and give us the code word Rolex with your real name. Don't email from multiple accounts. Don't be a fucking lame dude. Um, and that'll get you entered in to win. And next week's episode will announce the winner. But also, since this is episode 50, I asked if they could do us another little favor. And just, just to make it like kind of like a big deal and like make it special for everyone. Uh, this week, and even on the 18th at midnight, there's going to be a 15% discount code for Dose Cycles. And that's going to be Monday Special. So just use the uh, discount code Monday Special at... Uh, those cycles and until the 18th at midnight, you can get 15% off on the website. Look at that. Those cycles killing it. Atlanta, man. Oh, Shout out Blake. Shit. Shout out Tyler. Those are my guys. Yeah. And so they, you know, they hooked it up and yeah, man. Um, dude, thanks, man. We did it. We killed it. Um, longest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> um, fucking- <laughs> 30 minutes longer than Joe Rogan. What's up? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and I haven't slept yet, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a nap. Yeah, you need to take your ass to bed, man. I can't <laughs> believe it went this long, but yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed it, man. It, it just made me realize that I need to uh, ring you up and have you on the phone for non-podcast conversations more often. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We can, we can chat it up. We just did it out the blue and killed it, so, you know. I'm always down to learn more about you and, you know, become closer and everything. For sure. And mopeds are interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, mopeds are interesting. Um, yeah, man. So, you you going to bed. I'm going to walk to the bazaar, the open-air market with my wife. I'm going to say bye to everyone in Kyrgyz. You know, I'm in Kyrgyzstan. I speak Kyrgyz here. And I'm going to tell you all to stay well. So, Josh calling his dad. Hell yeah. Thanks, bro. Love you. Paka paka. Bye bye. Bye. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? Touch your car. Ride a moped. I don't know. Touch your flower. Was it moving?
Like, nah, feel free locked up. Sounds like a fuck, dude. Oh boy! Wah, wah, wah.